WGN Sports Central, happy to be here with you until 10 o'clock tonight. Kevin Powell, what's going on, my friend? I'm playing Hurt tonight, Carmen. Are you? back tooth is in serious pain out of nowhere. I was enjoying some delicious egg drop soup just before the show, fueling up for the four-hour spectacular with Carmen, and all of a sudden it's killing me. I don't know what's going on. So we've been rapping here, hanging out for the last 10 minutes. You didn't mention anything about the egg drop and or a back tooth. I didn't know that this was a situation. We could, I mean, I don't know what I can do for you, but I, 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 you have my sympathy i guess that's all right i'll battle through i'll find a way all right this is a huge day in sports team we got a, a busy show tonight cole wright coming up here at 6 30 from the marquee sports network which is getting ready to get going cole's going to be a reporter and your studio host uh, as how am wa- i going to watch that Carm? Uh, i have xfinity comcast uh, that that part i don't want to even think about i'm sure they'll figure it on out but you know i'm not i don't i don't i don't partake in that level of discussion i stay on the sports field the, the business side of the business is just it's never been me kp okay Okay. I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm I'm in the trenches. Gotcha. I'm I'm in the huddle. Like the XFL today, which maybe I'm a little too Twitter focused in my life, I don't know, but everyone's going nuts on Twitter for the XFL and right now Houston's playing Los Angeles and before like the DC Defenders played a home game, I don't I couldn't name you one defender and yet the crowd's going crazy. Football lives on, man. It's 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 the the XFL is going to work. At least it looks like it is going from today. This is amazing. Well, as a lifelong DC Defenders fan, I was very happy to see the Defenders come away with a thirty-one nineteen victory over Seattle. I, look, I, I watched it, and obviously this didn't work in two thousand one. It lasted just one year, and then last year we saw the Alliance of American Football League or some something like that. That felt rushed. That league. Like they felt they only took a year to get that thing going. It felt rushed. It did feel like it had a chance to be almost a developmental league with the NFL. I don't know how they would ever do that in terms of injuries, pay, how that would all work. But the XFL has hyped this up for two years now. Vince McMahon made the announcement two years ago. They took their time with it. And I got to say, it's been some pretty enjoyable football today. So I was down at the Super Bowl, and Vince McMahon, of course, leading the charge. Mm-hmm. And then there's Oliver Luck. Who played in the NFL? His son, I think maybe people, everybody knows Andrew Luck, who had a phenomenal career with the Colts, was forced to retire. Oliver Luck is the CEO of the XFL, and so I, I you know, we get to the end of the interview. I'm like, so what are we going to see here in this this XFL, Oliver? And he proceeds to tell me this. I just want to give folks an example of things they might see uh, where I think they'll be pleasantly surprised. So, uh, you know, our, our punt is a little bit different. Okay. So in the NFL, right, the gunners, the guys on the outside, the wide receivers, if you will, they leave at the snap uh, when the ball is snapped. We're holding our gunners until the ball is kicked. It's only about two seconds. But that gives the punt returner a chance to field the punt and actually make a move, right? Yeah. And we hope that will get rid of that brutal hit that we all sort of cringe at when the guy catches it and just gets lit up. Yeah. And we tested this with multiple you know, leagues, including our own guys right in training camp. And we think we'll see a bunch of punt returns. And with, we think we're kind of getting out of the game a play that deserves to be out. That, that yeah. brutal defenseless, I'm catching the punt and I'm going to get lit up you know, the next second I move. So um, yeah. those are the, kind of the thought processes we had. And I think fans will enjoy, once they sort of begin to understand that, they'll enjoy watching the game. CEO of the XFL. I thought that it makes a lot of sense, right? You're watching the kickoff. Guys actually have some time to run, and it's not as dangerous for the player. So you actually help player safety, and you've created a more 
fun play for the fans to watch, that's a win for the XFL. Yeah, some of these rules I could see potentially in some variation making their way into right? the NFL. And they do have rules in terms of a point after a touchdown where you can go for one, two, or three points. You know, I have options at that. So um, kind of like that. I don't know if they'd ever completely do away with the, with the PAT kick. But, you know, I think a lot of people – and I, I think one of the things, too, that a lot of people want to see is – Teams giving getting the opportunity to get the ball back outside of an onside kick, maybe give a sec, another option to do that. So I I actually I love the idea that instead of of a, a, an onside kick, you do like the fourth and fifteen. Right, that's been thrown out there, and if you get it, you keep the ball. Is that that'd be way that, sweeter that'd than that'd be very kick. fun. Let's go and, and and enough with the whole F- football purists might push back a little bit. Yeah, no, okay, football purists. Dude. There's a lot of you know, it's not like the NFL's hurting, so I don't think they have to do anything real dramatic. Ratings were back up this year after a couple year decline. The the you have Patrick Mahomes who's going to turn into an international superstar if he isn't already. You have guys like Jimmy Garoppolo. You have guys that are going to carry the league where for a few years there the NFL was kind of in a weird spot with the kneeling and things got political and I think people were tuned out by that but I think the past the past two years have been really strong for the NFL so I don't know if they're going to go out of their way to make a dramatic rule change I don't think people are tuning out just because of the PAT I do like how swift these games are too ten, they have a 10 minute clock for halftime right there's no beating around the bush here they get in in and out but yeah and flip on the up by the way NFL like hey and if, if the XFL has ideas that you think are smart I wouldn't I would just be like that's a great idea we're bringing it in yeah because we're gonna we're gonna make our game even better I'm amazed at how many fans are coming out here it's it's not like the DC defenders I'm watching on you know the highlights here on Twitter the, the crowd's going nuts yeah like how can I know you be- asked me if uh, they were pumping sound into the broadcast because it was pretty wild how loud it is there. Do you have it, Curtis? Like, listen to this. Are these people actually really on their feet for the defenders? I, c- I couldn't believe it. They get it off over the middle. Nick Holly goes up, pulls it in. First and goal. I mean, we didn't hear that loud of a sound at Soldier Field the last half of the year. They're going nuts for the defenders. Whatever the XFL did, their marketing department, it's working because I think it's been a fun day of football for everybody. If you go on Twitter, everybody was was all about it. You're also getting unprecedented access to the players where they're doing more on sideline interviews. They actually bring a camera crew into the locker room at halftime, which I don't think we're seeing that in the NFL. But um, dropping dropping the uh, profanity on Fox, which is you know perhaps something yeah we were that... about fifteen minutes into the first game and a player dropped an f bomb. I, I mean, they didn't catch it on time, so the, production the, assistant might be getting a that's not a the, memo. That's not the PA's there's a fault. Guy, there's somebody's job is to have their finger over the dump there, button. But there, there's is there a dump button on television? Absolutely, I don't think there, there is. You always, what are you, you watch an award show and somebody drops an f bomb? They bl- they blink them up. Uh, yeah, but those are like isn't that like a tape situation? No, I, no. You, you can really how could they? Are you kidding me? Of course, there's there's a dump button on the field at an XFL game. There's a dump button. There's an audio dump button. Card. I need a TV expert out here. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Also, one of our WGN TV veterans yeah, can let, chime let, in. Let's get a let's get somebody in the high tech. Let's get a Mike Low. Mike Low. I've been, been chatting with Mike Lowe. He loves football. He might be all into it. Uh, okay, let's dial up Low. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Were you watching the XFL today? Are you excited about more football? Do you wish Chicago had an XFL? Do you team? wish Chicago had an XFL? Great question. Uh, let's do that coming on back. And also, there was a huge, huge moment in sports today over in Bloomington, Indiana. We will give uh, some love to one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball next. 720 WGN. Bobby Knight coming back to Bloomington. They were 
honoring the 1981 championship team. He's giving high fives with Dick Vitale. Isaiah Thomas is out there giving the high five. The Bobby's 79 years old and not and looking a little, little, uh, you know, he's, he's not in his prime anymore, Bobby Knight, but still doing it. Still right? had some fire in him. He, he was getting his players going. So let me ask you, where do, KP, you're, you're, what are you, uh, I, I would call myself a Generation Xer over here. What, what are you, are you like an advanced millennial? Yeah, you know, the millennial age group is so wide that I couldn't relate with, with you know what I mean? Like, it's like, what's, I don't even know what some of these kids are talking about, and they're apparently millennials. So yeah, I am a millennial. You are, you will, Technically, I'm a millennial. Te- you. Te- technical millennial. So does like Bobby Knight mean anything to you? Yeah, of course. I mean, growing up, he was the iconic, white-haired, fiery Indiana coach who was... I, I thought he was a guy who made his, his way into... I don't know if I want to say pop culture, but he definitely was... He, he was an iconic figure. I think if anybody saw him, you would immediately know that's the Indiana coach. Okay, so I mean, I... I listen, growing up, like Indiana basketball, the red and white warm-ups, and, and Bobby Knight screaming at Gene Cady or Lou Henson back in the day at Illinois. Or you'd, I, I think the first time or one of the first times I was covering events was a Northwestern versus Indiana basketball game. Knight comes in there afterwards, and Indiana had won the game, but were, like everyone's literally terrified of them. These, these people have been around covering college sports for a long time. Bobby gives an opening statement. Nobody asks a question. Bobby says something else. Nobody asks another question. Bobby goes for a third time. Nobody asks a question. And then he walks out of there, and that was it. I'm like, wow, people are really intimidated by Bobby Knight. And I, you know, was young Carm. I wasn't going to ask a question myself, even though I kind of regret that nowadays. But like, this, this whole Cold War with Indiana has been going on for 20 years, right? And you got to... Like, how do you remember his legacy? Because he had a lot of controversial things go down. He lost Larry Bird. That right? That's, that's Larry a, Bird left Indiana, went to Indiana State because he wasn't exactly the, the warm fuzzy bear of a coach, and didn't exactly uh, welcome him with open arms. And he said he did regret that later on, right? Obviously, and and the, a lot of a lot of people growing up. The bat, like the the guy that coached junior high basketball for us, Bartoli was his name, and 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 at Highland Park High School is Coach Colsey. They and it was all over the place. Coaches took on the Bobby Knight persona, right? Very very hard nosed, very yeah. in your face. They weren't trying to get to know you at all. It was about you know. It was about them, which doesn't exactly fly anymore. It, it, I know well, there are still some coaches that that operate that way. You know, you look at Tom Izzo all fired up on the sideline, but in terms of amateur sports, I don't think you're getting those coaches anymore. Between video and parents not being cool with it, I mean, I had my very first football coach when I was eight years old. Guy was nuts. He would bring his leather helmet to practice. He would grab me by the face mask and pull me around the field. I was right. eight years old. Right, right. The guy was nuts. And and, and the, but that was like okay, this is the top of the food chain. This guy's coaching Indiana basketball. He's winning national yeah. championships. Keith Smart's hitting baseline jumpers. Like that's the that's my basketball. I, I don't remember the Isaiah Thomas team and Kent Benson and Quinn Buckner and they went undefeated in the late seventies. But I remember Keith Smart hitting a baseline jumper. I want to say they beat Syracuse in eighty seven. Um, Only you would know that. But well, and there's there's a bunch of Hoosier fans listening right now that probably know it as well but people need I like when people make peace and you don't like looks like things are not left unsaid yeah. when when you go away for you know the the final goodbye 
And the fact that he was able to come back and be out there with his guys, with Isaiah, and the crowd going nuts for him, that was a nice, healing, cool moment for not just Indiana, but all of college basketball. And and I, I thought it was awesome to see. And I was never like a diehard Bobby Knight guy. But I enjoyed it. was a cool moment, I, for sure. I enjoyed the love. So just a little little, little Bobby Knight. Mike Lowe is uh, on the line here at WGN-TV. He's going to tell us about the dump button. Is that right, KP? Well, I figure, I don't know why I thought of Mike Lowe, because we were talking about the XFL, the, the first, well, it's the second season. I guess this is the reboot. We're watching it today. I think it's been so far a quality product, but we did have an F-bomb dropped about 15 <laughs> minutes into the first game. And Carmen was surprised to hear, like in radio, of course, we have a dump button in case a listener or a guest swears. Mike we can Lowe. Dump it. Mike Lowe. Doesn't TV have a similar situation? Well, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but the celebration during the Super Bowl, uh, the sound would come out, you know, drop out every once in a while. <laughs> and presumably that was because, you know, there was there were curse words being uttered. Uh, and so on a broadcast like that, there definitely is. There's a delay and they can dump out. Um, but I think for like a standard newscast, we don't have that. Not ah. the way that radio does, mm-hmm. um, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question, um, and I think you know there are some. There's a three second delay. There's a seven second delay, and typically for a major broadcast, they would have some kind of delay to be able to um, get out of something if they heard you know something that would get them fined by the FCC. Yeah, because throughout the game. They, they're giving unprecedented access in terms of football coverage where they're just straight up walking up to guys on the sideline. They're entering the locker rooms. It's pretty cool what the XFL is doing, but throughout the day, multiple times, it's almost like the sound on your TV cuts out. It's not like a, it's not like a noise that goes over it. It just like cuts out for a quick second, and you know someone probably just said something you're not supposed to say on TV. Exactly. We're so accustomed to hearing like the bleep. <laughs> right. That that you you're like what did, did the volume just go out or whatever? But that's that's typically how they do it in a in a standard like sports broadcast like that where they'll just drop out the sound for a brief moment uh, to you know to to cover up the offending word. Um, but I you know I didn't catch any of the XFL broadcasts today, but I know that's exactly what they're trying to do is kind of give you this unvarnished access. And I guess part of that is, you know, you're hearing how the guys really talk and uh, and what actually happens on the sideline. It would be interesting to learn behind the scenes, hey, when you get a microphone in your face, we want you to swear. We want it raw. We want it real. We want it in the huddle. And, until they get taken off the air. And, 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 until, <laughs> and, and we'll handle the, the fallout from that. But you're saying, Mike, that there's some dude that's, got, that's pressing a button in there that's kind of a sweet gig you hang out all day you listen to the thing and you press the you press the deal you know it's tv money right there not bad right oh yeah you know i can tell you i i used to work in the the richie zions truck so richie zions was the guy who um directed the super bowl for fox when they did bears games they were like the second or third crew back when i was in college and you'd be a amazed at the positions that are in that production truck of people whose responsibilities just one little thing so i was the five seconds guy um, for a couple a couple games and so my job was just to watch the play clock and if it ever got to five seconds i had to scream five seconds so that at three seconds they could put in the little uh graphic on the screen 
Um, so I'm sure there's a guy who's just watching for that kind of stuff, you know, swear words and, you know, whatever nudity or something, whatever could pop up. Um, there's, there's a guy that's watching that. <laughs> so yeah. there's like 15 people in the truck watching all these obscure things that give you a smooth broadcast at home. I was doing some high school basketball situation that was held at Redbird Arena when I was at Illinois State, and they were like high, like bringing us in to help with the broadcast. And I was my job was to change the score on the, uh, I, on the like every time they scored, I put two points on the. I had like a little computer I set up in the like the tunnel of the arena. I'm having a very weird moment right now, realizing that I had a dream about Illinois State football. You're y- the bird. Yesterday or two days ago, and I like thought about. I was like in the dream, like I should text Kevin Powell that I'm at an Illinois State football <laughs> game. I love that, that you're dreaming about the Redbirds. Hey, Mike, you're a diehard Chicago Bears fans. What do you? What if if you were the general manager of the Chicago Bears? What would be your what would you prioritize most this offseason? It's got to be quarterback. I mean, it's it's just such a sad situation that we have essentially a Super Bowl-level defense that we're wasting because we're not getting enough production out of the offense. And when you look at what we have, you know, it's it's not like Mitch Trubisky is just like a mid-level, oh, man, he's not. Mahomes or Watson, but he's still pretty good. He was statistically one of the worst four quarterbacks, if you look by quarterback passer rating, uh, one of the worst four in the league. That's just unacceptable when you are in a window, allegedly, to win a championship. So there's kind of an interesting rumor going on around, uh, I don't know if you're, I, I follow like 50 Bears uh, insiders on on Twitter and stuff. And one of the things that's going around is possibly trading for the number one pick to get Joe Burrow. Now, I don't think that'll ever happen because of what we have to, would have to give up um, in order to do that. You know, you're talking about multiple years of first round picks. You're probably talking about Roquan Smith, you know, to just even sniff that first round pick, which I don't think we can do. Um, But, I, if I'm the GM, I'm I'm bringing in somebody like Andy Dalton, or maybe a Cam Newton. You know, one of these quarterbacks that's out there um, that probably won't re-sign. And it, I think signs are pointing toward Andy Dalton because of the hiring of Bill Lazor, the new offensive coordinator who's worked with him in the past. And um, you know, he's been a successful guy in the league. Uh, I think they had that one season where he started 8-0 and or something like that. Never really had the talent around him to get it done in Cincinnati, and it's pretty clear if Cincinnati holds on to the number one pick, they're going to they're gonna draft Joe Burrow. So Dalton's going to be out on the street looking for work. Chicago would be a pretty good place um, for him to land. Mike Lowe, WGN-TV, giving us the behind-the-scenes TV and the hope that Andy Dalton will come to Chicago and, and, re- and rescue us. Hey, Mike, for, for I, don't know, I don't know if that's... <laughs> I, I, honestly, the best thing for the Bears is that Trubisky somehow turns around and is good. No like, doubt. That is the, the best thing that can happen, but it's just so sad that it's like it's come to this. Like We're Matt Nagy and the postseason press conference is basically saying well the guy needs to learn how to read defenses yeah that was that, that, that was rough hey hey mike appreciate the time my friend we're gonna run on you okay thanks mike all right anytime good yeah. to talk to you guys thanks man mike low wgn tv cole wright from the marquee sports network is next 720 wgn mark carvin kevin paul with you till 10 o'clock tonight cole wright is coming on home here five years with the nfl network he's been with espn he's been with fox sports one he's been with nesson uh 
And now he's with the Marquee Sports Network anchor, reporter, superstar, and we're all excited to uh, see what the coverage is going to be. Cole, thank you for taking time on 720 WGN. We appreciate it. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure. You know, I, can't, I can't wait to get back home and, and wait to get back to Cubs baseball. So I, I, gotta, I, got, I got a little beef with you here, Cole, because you know, you're, 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 you're coming back home. You're here. You haven't changed the Twitter yet. You've got at Cole Wright NFL. We need like, we need like a CUB in there. Is, is this in the, you know, in, the, in the near future that we're going to change the Twitter handle? I know that's a tough move. You know, absolutely, it's going to get changed. I'm going to let the uh, the social media team at, at uh, Marquee Sports Network handle that because you know every time you, you try to change something, there's there's all these channels you have to go through. Sometimes you lose blue check marks, and you know I don't I don't want any of that to happen. So I'm just going to keep everything status quo until it's time for for the kids, as you call them these days, to get their hands and their fingerprints all over this Twitter and everything. So I'll, I'll let them take care of that stuff. Got to protect the check marks. Smart move, Cole. You, you gotta, absolutely, at all costs. I mean, it's, you got to be straight. Very that that would be that'd be a huge blow. Cole, this has got to be a dream come true, right? You grew up in Naperville. You're a local product. Grew up a Cub fan. Without a doubt, you know it's uh, you know when I, when I graduated college, you know I, I used to live uh, right on Clark and Wrightwood back in the day when when there was a blockbuster video there. I mean, it seems like time flies, but you know to be able to come back home and you know from from being a kid who used to go to games there and you know even a you know a, a college guy who who flamed out you know with, with with my own baseball aspirations, being able to you know just to go to Wrigley and 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 watch games and now to be a, a part. Of, of what's going to go on from the day to day with the Chicago Cubs, like you said, it is a dream come true. So I think everybody wants to know, like, what's it going to look like? How is the team going to be covered? And, and it's obviously very early here, Cole. But what, what can you tell us about what Marquis going to do? You know, it's it's that's still a work in progress. I mean, year one for anything is is always a, a new endeavor, and that's exactly what it's going to be. You know, at, at the Marquee Sports Network, but I, I really feel like we're in great hands. You know, Mike Santini. You know, he's one of the overseers, as is Mike McCarthy, and you know th- those guys. They've had you know their their hands in a lot of big things in the past. I mean, you know, uh, Mike McCarthy was at you know at, at MSG. Um, Mike Santini oversaw MLB Network and everything. How how, how that. Came came to life. So I, I think that everything that we're going to be able to do is going to be, you know, at the forefront and it's going to be cutting edge and, you know, our studios are second to none. They're gorgeous. I mean, I can't wait for everyone to actually lay their eyes on them, you know, for the telecasts. And, uh, you know, w- w- once we hit the air, it- it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what, what this season is going to bring. I'm very excited to see it as well. Um, this Cubs offseason has been a slow one. What, what's your reaction to the way they've approached this free agency period? You know, it's, it's, Everyone wants to go out there and they want to make that big splash, but sometimes those big splashes aren't what what guarantees victory. I mean, we've seen some of the, the, you know, the reported big splashes. I mean, obviously the the deal between the Red Sox and the the Twins and the the Dodgers, you know, that one seems to be getting crumbled up and going up in the smoke right now. So uh, it's it's not about the moves that have been made. It's about the moves that are, are still to be made and the solid baseball that's going to be played. So that's that's what I'm worried about. I'm not, not even worried. But you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just wanting to see how the, the product on the field is going to be. I'm not really worried about any moves that have or haven't been made. Let's just get out there and play ball, and all that thing, everything will settle into itself. Because at last time I looked, there's still a lot of solid pieces to this winning puzzle here. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of opinions on certain, on certain parts. But for whatever reason, a lot of those parts are, are still pretty doggone good. And when I'm looking at that hot corner, you know, that's a former MVP. And, and Chris Bryant is, you know, he's, 
almost a generational type player. So I'm expecting some big things out of him this year, and I can't wait to see him get back to his form. Yeah, I, I listen to my Chris Bryant interview from the 2016 NLCS like at least once a week, just so I can get excited for baseball and and and, and, rem- and remember the when they were at the mountaintop, and hopefully they'll get back uh, sooner than later. Here, hey Cole, give absolutely a, give give a little background here. Let, let's go first Cub memory. A young Cole Wright watching the team. Does anything pop into your head? I mean, Andre Dawson hitting it over a true link fence. I mean, <laughs> when I was growing up, Andre Dawson, the Hawk, that was my guy, number eight. I mean, I wore number eight until I wore number 24. So that was my first real number that I asked for, you know, by number, wanting to be, you know, kind of like Andre Dawson. But, you know, I just remembered him in, you know, the, the season that he, you know, he, had a, he was an MVP guy. I mean, he, he was that guy. And, I mean, growing up, you know, listening to Harry on the, on the radio call, Andre Dawson home run was – was second to none. So, you know, Andre Dawson was my guy. You know, it's it just it, it, it's it's hard to believe like now that we're we're grown ups and you know that and it's it's so much has changed yet so much has stayed the same. They they had the uh, poster back in the day, Chicago Classic. It was it was Dawson, Jordan, and Walter Payton. So they they class all for all seasons. Class- I, I had that in my apartment, right? right? The 59 West Wrightwood, which is <laughs> oh by the way now a museum next to the Tadao Ando House. So. <laughs> That that okay. So you're you're kind of a generation Xer, Cole. Is that am I am I judging that right? Because if you remember class for all seasons, I feel like we're running in the same territory here. I'm I'm 41, so I was born <laughs> in 78, so class of 96. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I got a couple years on you, which is uh, it's a beautiful thing for us. I'm aging beautifully over here, KP. You look great. Kyle. Thank thank you. Uh, nice, Cole. There you go. Um, obviously, you covered the NFL for the NFL Network for quite some time, as Carmen mentioned. You're Handle on Twitter is Colwright NFL. I'm assuming you grew up a Bears fan. Is that was that be accurate? I did. I mean, I mean, you know, I I think my my first sports memory is wanting to be Walter Payton. Even though you know I was a baseball player, born and raised my whole life. My you know my, my first you know real sports love was the Chicago Bears and Walter Payton. I mean, there was I mean I had I had kangaroo shoes. I had the boots. Uh, you know where you could put the change in the side pocket and everything. So. You know, just just growing up a Bears fan and being, you know, being so close and watching Walter Payton and, and watching how he would carry himself. Like it's, it's funny you make mention of that poster because I mean, you know, how many better guys to be on that poster could there be? I mean, Michael Jordan, Walter Payton, Andre Dawson, and those are my, my, those are my three sports pillars as a kid growing up. Uh, Cole, we're gonna have to introduce you to Jared Payton, our colleague who works at WGN TV oh, now. I, I, I know Jared okay. from our ESPN day. Oh, okay, yeah, absolutely cool. cool, cool. Um, well, speaking of the Bears, I didn't plan to talk about this much Bears today, but it's already the second time I've brought them up. I don't know, maybe because the XFL's on. I've got football in my mind. Um, this past season, just so deflating. Your thoughts, and, and what do they need to do moving forward here? <laughs> uh, win more football games moving forward. I mean, that, that, that would work. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, I mean, it's, it's easier said than done winning football games in the National Football League. You only get 16 of them. So, I mean, it's... You know it's tough. Maybe they need to be a, a, a little less, a little less creative and stick more to the script. You know, it's, it's you know from from the outside looking in. I mean, you, you saw a lot of things that worked two years ago, but didn't work this year so much. And you know, I mean, I, I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I'm, I'm far from a, a, a top flight NFL talent evaluator. I, I just see you know when when they would get away from the run. I mean, obviously Jordan Howard. You know, he's he's a guy who is now in Philadelphia. So it's it. it it was discouraging to see them get away from you know, your typical Chicago Bears kind of football. You know, defense, running the football, 
And I would just like to see him get back to more of that. And, you know, I, I would like to see Mitchell Trubisky, you know, play a better brand. I mean, <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I don't know. It's like, you know, you have a lot of, you know, a lot of detractors from that cat. But, you know, the one thing I will say is the last time I looked playing quarterback in the National Football League, not an easy thing to do. It's kind of like getting wins in the NFL. So, I mean, there's, there's 32 starting quarterbacks. And, you know, how, how many of them are poster worthy? You know, how, you know, even though you're a hometown quarterback, even if there's not a lot of kids, if you're not getting wins, they're going to want to, you know, hang your likeness on their wall. So we'll, we'll see if Mitch Trubisky can, you know, become a poster-worthy quarterback this season. That's still to be told. Yeah, he's not making class for all seasons quite yet. Hey, uh, not, not yet. Not, not yet. Not yet. Hey, hey, Cole, before you get on out of here, uh, all right, I'm going to put you on the hot seat here. Do you blame Alex Gonzalez or the fan in the stands more for what happened at 03? I blame Alex Gonzalez. That was Taylor made double play ball, right? I mean, he 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 took it off the hip and tried to get all you know, tried, tried to get all Roger Dorn with it. I mean, you can't you can't do that. You can't do that. I love the little major league reference out of nowhere, right there. That was that was that was beautiful. Uh, all right, favorite cup favorite cup manager of all time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go Dusty, man. I mean, any 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 guy that rolls with his own assortment of toothpicks, how, how can you go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have and, the- <laughs> and he has his own likeness on his wristbands? I mean, going back to the old Barry Larkin days, he owns I mean, the look. That's, that's, that's he owns lovely. It. It, Did you? Great. Did you have the sh- in Dusty We Trusty T-shirt in in the in the in the Cole Wright closet? I did not. Those were novelty <laughs> t-shirts back in the day. And I mean, what are those things? What did they, they run? Like 30, 35 bucks? And, you know, when that was when that was my heyday, I didn't, I didn't have an extra 30, 35 bucks to be throwing around. Yeah. So you got to get it from my guy, Howard Cadet, who's uh, the garbage man vendor who go. sells it on the street out there for 10 bucks. I think he was flying the industry. Howard does a great job. Cole, Cole uh, Carmen was like one of the biggest Cub fans I knew, at least growing up. He was an absolute diehard. He and I had a chance to cover the 2016 World Series. I was sitting next to him as the final out was recorded. And I, it's almost difficult to describe the look on Carmen's face. It was, it was a look of relief, I think, more than anything. I was packing up the computer yeah. in the bottom of the ninth when Kipnis hit a bomb down the right field line that I still swear landed in the seats, but somehow it didn't. And yeah. Kevin oh. Powell, Kevin was sitting right next to me. He's like, it was five one. He's like, it's over. They got him. I spoke too soon. Cole, what were you doing for the twenty sixteen? Did you make it out there? Were you just watching as a fan? I went to Game Four. Okay. And it's funny because my old one of my old bosses at Fox said, you know, we had breakfast, and I was at NFL Network, and he was he was just telling me he's like, oh yeah, I forgot you're a Cubs fan. So if the Cubs make it to the World Series, this is in July. He was telling me he's like, I got I got a ticket for you. So he told me he potentially have a ticket for Game Four. So I flew back to Chicago, almost missed my flight. My mom, you know, for whatever reason, she it was it was Halloween season, so she always comes to California for Halloween to to take my my daughter out trick or treating and everything. So she was in town. Almost missed my flight. Ended up getting a ticket to Game Four. Only one because I was walking around with my buddies from college. And I told them like, "Hey, you know, my uh, executive from Fox got an extra ticket. Sorry, man, you have to watch this one from the across the street." So I mean, he was. I think he he bellied up at the full shilling and watched that one. So ended up going to the game. They lost. Got up, went to, went to Wiener Circle since I used to live like a block away. They saw me at the end of the line, gave me a few expletives, put my order in before everybody else, got my got everything, went back to Naperville, got on the flight, went back to NFL Network, so I got heckled by a bunch of Indians fans about how the season was over with. And I told them, I said, hey, don't worry about that. Three-game winning streak starts tonight. And sure enough, it did. I was on the air with Andy Mazur after that game, after Corey Kluber shut him down. And that was one of the craziest times in, in Chicago sports history. Hey, uh, 
one Cub that you want to interview this year called on the team now or, or prior, if you could just sit down with one and do a 20-minute, who would you talk to? I mean, any of all time? Does it have to be a hypothetical situation or something that could actually happen? No, uh, Alive. Uh, keep him alive. I'm not going to bring Ron okay. Santo or Ernie back from the dead. But uh, Okay, okay. But, but, I mean, you, obviously you know which way I was going to go with Mr. Cub. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to sit down with Chris Bryant. You know, I'd like to see, you know, how, how he's preparing for this season and then what, what his goals are and, and how he looks to achieve those goals and, you know, how he looks to help get this team back to where they were just a few seasons ago because, I mean, he's still a young man. and He's got a lot of potential and, and he's dangerous. I mean, you remember, and everyone remembers all the buzz that was around, you know, Chris and, and the team, and it was, it was rightfully so. And I, I think, you know, to, to restore that in 2020, I, I, think it's, I think it's right around the corner. Hey, shout out to Chris Bryant, by the way, who was at, I believe, an event back home in Las Vegas, yep. and reporters were asking him about, you know, the grievance situation and just his future with the Cubs, and he politely uh, declined to do that because he hadn't had a chance to talk with the Chicago media yet, and he wanted the Chicago reporters who follow the team to get the first story from KB. So I thought that was a class act from KB. That's the kind of guy you'll, you'll be working with, Cole. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be on that class for all seasons uh, poster when it comes out. Maybe not Mitchell, just quite yet, but Chris Bryant, he's going to be on it. Well, (laughs) let's wrap up with the class for all seasons uh, question. Would Michael Jordan have made it in the big leagues if he had stuck it out? Cole Wright, what do you say? Um, I, I think so. Here's the here's the thing that everyone fails to realize. Everyone sits there and trashes Michael Jordan. Oh, he's terrible. He's garbage. But here's the here's the catch. People don't realize, like, oh, but I mean, I'm sure they do realize that he was playing basketball at the highest level that anyone has ever played in the history of the earth, and when he was in the league. But I mean, if I'm not mistaken, his his batting average was just a shade over 200. 202. I think he had 202. Yeah, had they had four home runs career in, in that summer, or maybe three. I want to say two, but but okay. but, but 30 but, doubles, 50 steals, right? You, you're we're there. And, and you know, word on the street. I mean, I grew up with Jerry Harrison, and you know Jerry's father, Jerry Harrison Sr., told us that he was he was one of the fastest guys in the organization from top to bottom. He was faster than Tim Raines in sixty time, and if you look at his numbers compared to Ricky Williams, the football player's numbers as a minor leaguer with the Philadelphia Phillies, I mean they're not too far off. And the, the, the Phillies paid for Ricky Williams to go to the University of Texas and set all kinds of records on the football field. And Ricky Williams played multiple seasons. I, I don't think Ricky Williams had over five home runs as a minor leaguer. If I'm not, I might not be too far off. But I mean, for, for Mike Jordan to be able to pick up a bat like that and, and and do what he did in such a small amount of time. I mean, I was just watching the clip the other day from the Crosstown Classic. You know, when when MJ got a got a double at at, at ten sixty. Yeah. So I mean, it, it was unbelievable. I saw you retweeted it. That's why I brought it up because it brought a big smile to my face. Kevin Pollock got trivia for you on that one. Who did who did Jordan get his two hits off in that game? Uh, oh, I don't know. I got, oh. I got nothing. Who? Who is it? I feel like the the, the go to is Steve Traxel. <laughs> Steve Traxel is, is an excellent choice, but it was not him. One of them, one of them did uh, TV and radio in this town. He's one of the great guys going. The lefty Dave Otto. Uh, okay, but, and the, but the other was was uh, the the right hander out of the bullpen, Rando guy by the name of Chuck Krim, who gave who gave only Carmen would know this. I'll, I'll bust out of Chuck Krim out of you out of nowhere. Hey, Cole, congrats on the gig, man. We're looking forward to watching. Appreciate you taking time tonight, and uh, best of luck at the Marquee Sports Network. Congrats on coming home. Hey, thanks, guys. Anytime. My pleasure. It was our pleasure. Cole Wright with us here on 720 WGN.
who's in the studio host reporter role. Kind of going to be the uh, he's going to be the cap over over at Marquee Sports All Network. Right. Yeah. All right. Quick time out. Coming on up here, Des Clark, former Bear, in studio after 7 o'clock. He's, he's going to inspire you, me, and everyone. Uh, that's uh, sweet stuff from Des uh, this week that I want to talk about. 720 WGN. Major controversy's been going on. What do we got? It's on your Instagram, dude. Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell, 720 WGN. You go to the Kevin Powell Insta... Plug it. What's the handle? That would be Kevin Powell 720 WGN. Correct. Right now I'm seeing a co-hosting with At The Carm. But you've been posting these weird three choices on your on different lines. So this is the last one. Powell writes, this is a tough one. Line one is Arby's... Oh, let's, clar- let's clarify this here. Yeah, okay? it's, 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 please. Three, it's three rows. Yesterday was like favorite snack, favorite beverage, favorite... Um, Where are you getting these from? I'm just seeing them on Twitter. They're continuing to roll out daily. I don't know who's posting, but someone will post it, and I like it. It's I don't know. It's fun to me. So this one is... But what, you don't know the handle of who's posting? I think Barstool might be posting okay, it. I, I think want to Barstool's get, behind it. I want to get involved here. So there's three rows. Yeah. seven On this particular <laughs> one, there's seven restaurants in each row. The top row is labeled Best Fries. So then, I didn't even look at the right, actual. So I think criteria. some people are missing that. So then, there's a corresponding letter and number to each restaurant. So, for example, Best Fries, Arby's is A, McDonald's B, In and Out ceased, Shake Shack D, E is Taco Bell, F is Five Guys, G for Sonic. See, I don't know. That's randomly randomly yeah. throwing it out. So, anyways, you go through each row and you only can pick one out of each row. So for Best Fries, I went McDonald's. The next row is Best Burgers. I oh. went In and Out. Burger. They have and some interesting choice center. The fact they threw Whataburger in there, which is I, man, I had it in Dallas Airport once. It's terrible. Yeah, it's straight terrible. Special. And then the best chicken sandwiches. So they had like Chick Fil A, KFC, Popeyes, Zaxby's. I don't even know what that other one was. And Wingstop. So I went B for best fries, McDonald's. I went four for In and Out best burger, and then I went C for best chicken, Popeyes. You no, know, I I actually have to. What do you got? I the, gotta, the burgers one is very difficult because you can go Five Guys, Culver's could go for it. Obviously not McDonald's. Well, well the thing is here that I, I actually have to apologize to you because I did not see that it was the fries, the burger, the chicken. I just thought, which one are you picking, period. And so I thought you were picking McDonald's over Shake Shack, over in and out as an overall play. No. And that's that would be ridiculous. But I should have realized that Kevin Powell, expert food technician, yes. that you would never make that level of error. I would not. And I was missing something. So my disappointment slash anger at you and really questioning you as a human being overall yeah. is was totally wrong, right. and I apologize. Got to pay attention to the de- details. I, I, I missed the details, and I actually would agree with you. Best fry, McDonald's, hands down. Right? It's, you're, I, like In-N-Out's a great burger. But you, I don't like their fries. I know people like dress them up with all the cheese sauce or whatever they do. I don't know their fries well enough to have a verdict. If but you I, just but eat straight up In-N-Out fries, no good. But, but McDonald's is a great fry. It's a great the legendary fry, the golden crisp McDonald's fry. Now, the burgers row is the, was the most difficult out of all three categories here, because this is for best burgers. Culver's, Whataburger, Five Guys, In-N-Out, McDonald's, Wendy's, and Steak and Shake, which Steak and Shake it's has a, great a dynamite burger. Frisco melt. And actually, I feel like I disrespected McDonald's earlier. Big Mac's in, is in the Fast Food Hall of Fame. It, it Big is, Mac is a legendary burger. 
agreed that it's in the Hall but of Fame. Is it fame. technically just a straight burger? You know what I mean? It's like a dressed-up burger. I just need like a straightforward. There, there's no way that a Big Mac is more delicious than a Culver's burger and or Five Guys and, I agree. and or Shake Shack and or In-N-Out. I mean, McDonald's is way down the list. I, I If I had to pick on that one, I probably am going Five Guys. Because that's like the, the, yeah, it's it's like the a highest little, quality in there. It's, it's a salad. I feel like Five Guys shouldn't even be in this category. I agree. They're not like a fast food I completely, spot, you know? Com- it's complete, like a, there's technicalities here. Right. They're not lining up. Right. I don't think In-N-Out should be in there either. I almost think Culver's shouldn't be in there. But if you're, if you're going to say between Five Guys, In-N-Out, and Culver's, I guess I go Five Guys. But Culver's is delicious. It's so good. I don't get Culver's enough. Best chicken sandwich. I know there was a massive debate recently, last year, 29. That was, I think, the most debated topic in the entire year was the best chicken sandwich. Who owns it? Well, what they did wrong in the best chicken sandwich categories here is you don't have Wendy's. Right. And that's, that's a de- great point. That's, that's a terrible job. You can't put KFC in there over Wendy's. That's not even close. But the way they lined it up, Chick-fil-A, KFC, Popeye's. Zan- Wendy's made the burgers department. Right, and and Wendy's belongs in the burgers department, but belongs in the chicken too. I, Popeyes is the hands down answer there. Have you had the Popeyes chicken sandwich that people were like yes. murdering people over? I got the the Carmen chicken sandwich blindfold test. Oh, I remember seeing that. You yeah. were dri- driven around by your fan sided associates. The fan sided associates drove me around, and I, I the KFC was by far the worst. But I could not believe how good Wendy's was because I always go I, Wendy's. Wendy's outstanding. It's out straight outstanding. Yeah, I I go for the spicy chicken historically, which is delicious, but they're regular chicken sandwich was amazing i didn't i didn't realize i was eating i'm like oh my god this is incredible to me it's between popeyes and chick-fil-a and <laughs> i i enjoy both um i don't eat much fast food like i used to Carm, where it was like a daily occurrence i'd probably get fast food once a month if that good for you probably way, not even that much way to improve just trying to improve all around i did have the popeyes chicken sandwich recently and that put it over the top for me i, I thought it was outstanding I'm thinking about right now going for a double on the way out of here. You go on at Irving Park in Ashland. You've got the Popeyes on the corner there, and then if you go one, you go yep. make one U-turn. You're at the Diner Grill. You get the double cheeseburger there. So you go the Popeyes chicken sandwich. You roll into the double cheeseburger. You take a milkshake home with you, wow. and that also on Irving Park is death and delicious. KFC Taco Bell duo, or it might just be straight KFC. No. There is a KFC down there. Our three hundred two. Nine eight one seventy two hundred five. I hope people were able to follow along with us describing this. But I think we did. Uh, I think we did okay. It's out there on the social media if you want to check it out. Uh, it's, uh, and and at Kevin Powell's amazing Insta, Kevin Powell seven twenty WGN, always weighing in, always bringing something to the table, always uh, always there for you. Well, it gets me traction. People respond to the story, which is nice because we all want to, uh, you know, if we, even if we don't admit it, you want people. It's nice when the people reach out on social media, you know? Yeah. So people have been <laughs> commenting on it, and, you know, it just starts to bait. It's fun. Five Guys hamburgers are well cooked well done. That's a, that's a very good point. The Five Guys, they do go a little over the top on cooking the meat through, which is unfortunate. We, and at Five Guys, you would expect a little bit more ability to hit the medium, and they don't really do it. You disagree? Sit. I do not disagree, no. Too, uh, you, you, I thought you were... You were more pro, like, hey, listen, it's a fast food burger. It's got to be well done. We're not looking for a, a, a pink in the middle here. Uh, wow. I do not like McDonald's fries. When I was a kid, I'm a little older than Carm. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. They used to uh, use lard as oil and are fried, and, they, and the fries were way better. Apparently, the McDonald's, according to this texture, is upping their game in the health department, and it's turning down the fry. 
I don't know if that's true or not. We are getting some pushback as well on the love for a Culver's burger. Why would that be? Every Culver's burger I've had has been has been good. Check out the burger at Paradise Pup in Des Plaines. Yeah, I've been to Paradise Pup. Really? They use, ch- they use uh, cheddar cheese on their burgers. Is that is that a fast food? If you is it what is it fast? It's food? like a standalone little diner. Like a you can get a burger, hot dog, your fries, like, our, like, a, like a Chicago hot dog shop. Okay, type place. okay, okay. You get a little bit of everything, but they have their own unique style. They do. Um, Mr. Flavortown, I think, I believe, visited there. Guy Fieri. They do... It's uh, my guy. It's like a sharp cheddar cheese they put on top of it. You it's know, good. You know who does a great cheddar is uh, RJ Grunts with the Merck's cheddar, with the with the cottage fry. That's what it is. It's like a Merck's oh, sharp cheddar. so good. And people texting in about Portillo's. Of course, Portillo's. But when you talk about Portillo's, you got to go with the beef. Although, was it you who told me about the burger? Were you the burger's far- great. I'll get the burger sometimes from there. I forget who was arguing with me. With I, normally go, I normally go beef... Hot dog, cheese fry. That's a great order. It's a great that's order. A, that's don't sleep on their chili cheese dogs. <laughs> great chili dogs at Portillo's. All right, uh, news in thirty seconds. Seven twenty WGN. Seven oh eight, seven twenty WGN. Always a good time to talk some football. Opener of the XFL. Mark Carmen, Kevin Powell, and the former Bear eighty eight. Des Clark is in studio with us. Des, great to see you, my friend. Welcome to WGN. Good to see you again. Also, good to see you too, Kevin. Right, Des, thanks for doing? coming. I'm very happy we have. I know we have some other stuff to get to, but very happy we have a tight end in studio to talk Bears, considering the current state of the Bears tight ends so um, we can dive into that Ooh, a bit. yeah we can go on and on are about you willing that to suit back up they could use you des uh for, you know what i almost said no but everybody has a price right <laughs> <laughs> they get desperate <laughs> you've got all the power oh, i like that they get desperate speaking of tight ends did, did we uh did we like how the kansas city chiefs were able to Use a Travis Kelsey to get themselves in position to win a Super Bowl. At the end of the day, it was more uh, the, the Tyreek Hill bomb from Patrick Mahomes. But they they used that tight end pretty well as a former tight end. You probably were smiling a little bit. Yeah, you know what? Um, both teams. Yeah, Kittle have too. Excellent tight ends. The two best in the league. I but think. You, but you know what? The best, the better teams that's out there right now. You, you you see that most of those teams have dynamic tight ends. Tight ends, I believe, and I'm not just saying this because I played tight end. It's true. It's one of the more unique positions on the football field because of everything that we have to do. We have to be an offensive lineman. We have to be a running back. Sometimes we have to be a fullback. And we have to know all aspects of the run and the pass game. Protections, hot routes, um, blocking schemes, everything. So I think that tight end is, if you have a really good tight end, you could create so many different matchup problems because because of all the places that the tight end could be. That's why I believe that we are the most, um, one of the most, if not the most, diverse positions on the football field. Well, it seems like it's a position that's evolving a little bit, too. I think offenses are getting more creative, where before it always felt like it was an inline tight end. You block on the running game, maybe you block or get into a, a seam route, whatever it may be. But now, you know, even a couple of years ago when the Bears did have success with the tight end position, when the offense was you know fairly competent, Trey Burton, the way Matt Nagy used him in the offense, and then when the tight end went away... The Bears' offense really sputtered for a lot of reasons, but do you see the position, the tight end position, evolving into a more crucial role for an offense? It has to be. Um, like I said, mo- more of the good teams, they have good tight ends. You look at Philadelphia, you look at San Francisco, you look at, um, uh, you know, uh, 
hell, Green Bay. Um, they had a decent tight end. Sure. Um, so when you when you look at when you look around, that's that's the position that people create matchups with. And and if you could have a tight end that could do everything, you know, you don't have to take them out of the game when you're running, and you can leave them in the game and, and split them out on third and long. I mean, there's there's nothing that you can do to match up with a tight end of that that caliber. So what do the Bears do with that position moving forward? Because they got next to no production. Obviously, some of it was due to injuries and whatnot, but they got to go out and bring in some more competition for that for that position. You do, and um, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll start in tight end. He he comes back healthy. I, I don't know what what happened. You know, it was it was a weird year. Um, are we talking about Adam Shaheen? Who are we talking about? We're talking <laughs> Trey Burton. Adam Trey Shaheen? Burton. We're talking about Trey Burton. I don't know if Adam Shaheen's going to be with the Bears next <laughs> I, year. Well, I know, like, I, I, and I guess it's it's weird, like, to think about who the starting tight end was. I mean, Trey Burton. How many games did Trey Burton play this year? Did he even play five? And we, we thought up. that could be a position uh, of of strength for the Bears going into the season because they did have Trey Burton. You had Adam Shaheen, who everybody saw some upside there, but they've and a lot of it had to do with injuries. They've gotten next to nothing from him. And Trey Burton had a good 2019. He did, yeah, right. Very good. I think he caught that. like fifty-four he, passes. He, he, I don't know if you've done any. Have you done any NFL draft research yet? Is there any tight ends that uh, we should be looking at when the draft does roll around? Man, I, I, yeah, it is sad. No, by the way. Not to put you on the spot, Des. We can we can you know touch what? bases. I, I, get I haven't, to the draft. I haven't, um, I haven't called Mel Kiper yet, but <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll call him next week. Trey Burton caught fourteen balls this year. Adam Sheen had nine. Uh, which was second on the team. Jesper Horstead caught eight balls, and J.P. Holtz, long live J.P. Holtz, had seven. Uh, if Ed Obradovich was in studio right now, he'd say, put Corderell Patterson at tight end, uh, which I think actually... No. No? Can't no. do it? Well, you know what? You know what? I'm not going to doubt this guy anymore because at the beginning of the Big year... dude. At, but at the beginning of the year, I, I said, how how do they incorporate him into this team? Being a return specialist and, you know, an okay receiver, but he's an older receiver. And I, I was just thinking, where does he fit as an older receiver that's, you know, your fourth, fifth receiver? But they, they found a way to make it work. So I'm not going to doubt the guy anymore. I, I said at the beginning of the year, I wouldn't keep him. Um, I know he's a dynamic kickoff returner. But just for what he can do on the offensive side of the ball, I didn't see the value there this year. But they did, and they utilized him well. I did create the Cordero Patterson drinking game. Anytime he was in the game and they handed a ball to him on a jet sweep, you take a drink. Because it was so predictable. Anytime he was in there, it was like a jet sweep end around to Cordero Patterson. No, they put him in the backfield up. also. And towards, yes, yeah. they mixed him in there. I, you know, I don't know. There's so much with this team that frustrates me, Des. I, when you're watching this season, what stood out the most to you, whether it's Positive, mostly negative, I guess, when it comes to the well, offensive things. But when you were watching this season, as most Bears fans were throwing things at their TV, saying obscene things at their TV, what was Des Clark thinking? I was just looking at the inconsistency of the run game. Because if we were going to be successful, we had to have a good run game. And it wasn't there. I think um, you know they tried some different things up front with different lineups. That didn't didn't work all years. Inconsistent play from our two tackles, so I, I believe that really hurt the team. It hurt, it hurt the quarterback because at times we tried to rely on him, and he's not ready for um, for the load to be put on his shoulders. On he's just not that guy right now. So I thought we had a really good running back um, coming into this year. Montgomery was I thought could be a thousand yard rusher, but. It didn't happen. So that's what that's what I took out of this year. 
when you have the, the the most important position in sports is quarterback. And really, I think throughout all major sports. I'm nervous what, where you're going. Go uh, ahead. <laughs> my question is this. What's the attitude of a locker room when the supposed leader of a team, the quarterback should always be a leader in some form, but let's say a quarterback is really struggling. Let's, right. I'm not say, asking you to guess what the locker room was like this past year, but if, if you were a member of a team and the quarterback's really struggling and the, and the fans are hammering, what is the attitude in a locker you, room? You had that too, Des, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I was yeah, just about to right. say we had that with, with good, good Rex, bad Rex. Right. Um, at the beginning of the season, he was an MVP candidate. And then after the Arizona game, you know, people started started hammering him because of the up-and-down play. But in that locker room, and, and this is the one thing, the, one of the good things that I took away from this team, no one never got, got, got off course. No one ever said anything outside of what, you know, Nagy was saying and what the, the, the message was for everybody. It, everybody kind of hung in there. No one said anything about the quarterback. No one said anything about the offense or the defense or the lack of this or the lack of that or this. This unit has to step up and that unit's not pulling their part. And you see that when you have a team that was 12 and four and then now this year they have expectations and they're not meeting those expectations. They, they, they stay one team the whole time. So I can only imagine that everybody rallied around the quarterback also because you didn't hear anybody saying anything other than posit- positivity coming out of that, uh, saying anything other and positive coming out of the locker room. I, I do give him credit for that. And for as bad as Trubisky's play was, I, I said this towards the end of the season, I actually think all things considered, the amount of heat that Mitch Trubisky's gotten on a national level and here in Chicago where teams are fed up and they want a franchise quarterback, I, I, I thought that he's handled it like a professional. I, I give him credit he, for that, right? I yes. mean, there was a couple little testy moments with reporters, but it was a frustrating season that's anticipated. I think Mitch overall has handled it like a professional. He, he has. I, I, I do wonder like what's actually going on in the locker room where we're not hearing it, what they actually think of the quarterback. I do I do I wonder. I think I'm with Des, though. Like, I, I had a ch- you know, you were at, I, Yeah, you know, I, don't, I don't think the guys were. I, I mean, they, you, you probably had a couple. You know, you're going to have, you're going to have, everybody's not going to think the same, but I think if if it was some dissension in the locker room, it would have gotten out, and you that's know, probably true. It it, it would have gotten. I mean, you know how the reporters are; they have their guys. We're and they, reporters, we know. And, and, and you have your sources, and yeah. and then people say things, and then it gets reported. Somebody in the locker room said it was none of that this year. Let's take a one minute timeout. I want to talk about what Des is doing now off the field, and also we we will we'll take a little memory lane here. Go back to the. 03, 04, 05, 06. Let's go to the Super Bowl. Glory years. Glory years. Bears uh, coming up here. One minute timeout, 720 WGN. Des Clark in studio. The former Bear father, son, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, author, and uh, uh, just what I saw you post on LinkedIn this week, and, and Des, you do insurance. You're, all, you're a businessman. You're all over the place, uh, and, and, I, and I love it. You you put the F post out there, how you were coming into the NFL, and people didn't think that Des Clark was going to do anything. You had a grade, I believe, of 37, the old 3-7, <laughs> and, and you want to be, what, in the 80s? Is that right? I have no clue. But you were... I, you don't you don't want to be a 37. You, you were far from it, um, and yet you somehow went on to be the second all-time leading receiver at the tight end position in the history of the Chicago Bears after starting your career with the Denver Broncos. Uh, how did you, I, I'm curious, like, where was the mindset that you were able to have confidence in yourself? And like, and I know you're trying to bring that to people mm-hmm. nowadays. Well, actually, I didn't have um, confidence in myself when I first went to the NFL, and I didn't know that I graded 
as a 37. Actually, it's because of this young lady right here, um, my, my lady, my stepson. They were all at the table saying how tall they were, and everybody was giving themselves another inch, inch and a half. And I said, I can prove my height. And I went to my com- I said, combine stats. And this is my first time ever going to look at this. And when I got there, I see this big, fat, red F. And it just stopped me in my tracks. It's like, are you serious? I, I scored an F in the combine, and I scored a 37. So, But that had nothing to do with my confidence. When I got to Denver, two-time Super Bowl champion, I'm playing behind a, a future Hall of Famer and two um, uh, Pro Bowl tight ends who they eventually made the Pro Bowls. That's a hell of a that's well, a great start. And you why get, did why did you start, Carm? What, yeah, go ahead. What, did you get a detailed explanation of why you got an F? No, this I just I just figured this out like a couple weeks ago. So this is brand new. Like literally, they were sitting at the table saying that they were like five five and six feet, and I was like, none of y'all are telling the truth. And then I looked it up, and wow. you you were playing behind Shannon Sharp, who by the way I saw at the Super Bowl, and I had a brawl about Michael and LeBron over, and and I don't know why Shannon Sharp doesn't realize that Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time, but he doesn't, and people make these errors in life, and I can't help them, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> but that that's uh, you know it's a super confident guy. Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And but you know why he's super confident. Go ahead. Is because he worked harder than anyone else. That's why. So and, that's a preparing to fail or not preparing to fail is failing to prepare. Whatever, whatever I just tried to say there. But, <laughs> but bottom line is, having your, you know that you have all your ducks in a row, when, and so you can be. When confident. you put in that type of work, like he put in, when I got there and I seen him work out and I seen him practice, when you put in that type of work, when it's time to go out and perform, you're, you're confident and you start to believe that about yourself. And then once you start to believe it, all your actions just follow. And, and that's him. I mean, I could, I, he, he'll probably tell you at some point in time he wasn't that confident. But over the course of putting in the work, of course. If I know I'm out working everybody, I'm going to be confident also. I'm just thinking about who you, you come into the Bears. You've got Marty Booker, you've got David Terrell. There was a confident guy who I'm assuming put no. I, I see a look on the face here. Talk to me about David Terrell. David, David was confident, um, and David worked. David worked too, but um, he he just wasn't as good as a as a Hall of Famer um, okay. Okay. Having, right. having that confidence. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at that roster that you're coming into here. You had you had you you had Olin Krutz. Yes, there was Com- a, a really confident guy. That that that's a worker right there. Yes, and I but and then I guess. You you came in. It was I had, you had Kyle um, Orton. You had Orton and, and not Rex, correct? No, O three. Um, oh, O three was Cordell Stewart. Yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, what was it like playing with him? So that's always a, a tribute question that I that I ask people. Who was the starting quarterback in two thousand three? And nobody can answer the question. Um, but There's, it was good. Cordell Cordell was a good dude. Um, he only played here for a year. He wasn't the answer. They drafted Rex that year, obviously. So um, Rex was our starting quarterback the next year. Got hurt. And um, that that just that, that was the start of the quarterback carousel for me. It has been uh, the quarterback carousel. Carousel is something that's existed in Chicago basically forever. Right. It's so hard to find a franchise quarterback, although some teams seem to make it easier than others, like the Bears. But when you, from your vantage, seeing how much pressure is put on that position, and you. S- having teammates and and being alongside them in the locker room and practicing with them every day what from your vantage what what did you see in the the role of a quarterback the ins and outs the pressure from fans the pressure from media how difficult is it to actually succeed in the nfl at the at the quarterback position well it's it's difficult at any position 
and I played quarterback in high school, um, and I'm not comparing that to the NFL, but all eyes are on you. You're the leader. You, you, if if things go wrong, you're gonna get all of the blame. If things go right, you're gonna get all of the glory. And um, especially being here in Chicago, uh, a crazy sports town. I mean, the scrutiny is um, it. It can it can it can make or break you, and um, you have to be really thick skinned to play quarterback here in Chicago, because if you're not and you don't come out and, and do the right things right away, you're damaged for the rest of your life. <laughs> Literally. Who were you? Who are you close with on the team? Um, a few a few guys. Um, I know on the offensive side of the ball, I'll just start there. Um, Jason McKee, Moose and Muhammad, um, St. Clair, who used to be an offensive tackle here with mm-hmm. us. Um, you know, the, the Thomas Jones, um, Olin Cruz. Now, there's a guy, um, Thomas Jones, that was not getting cheated. Yeah, that that's another dude who who deserved to be confident <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, the work that he put in was unbelievable. I mean, he was still never understood why they traded him away. Well, it was it was stupid. It, it was, was dumb. very dumb. yeah. I mean, you know, you got two stud running backs, and they chose they chose one, and they chose um. Cedric. That should make sense because you went to a Super Bowl with both of them, right? <laughs> and they but, moved on from them. But when you start having a little conflict within the ranks. Oh. Yeah, yeah, and then you're forced to choose one. Um, they 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 chose Cedric. You can go on about the conflict that you're referring to. What exactly uh, happened? What do you mean? Well, they those two dudes they they approached the game in in different ways. Um, neither one of them wrong. Um, but you know they they had they had a few a few um, heated moments. Um, one time they they came to a, a, a couple of swings that was thrown, and you know from that point. You know, as a as an organization, you look at that and you say, "Okay, what 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 do we do about this?" And then you have a guy that you drafted number four overall. Right. Of course, you're going to go with that guy. So is this in practice or what? Yeah, it was it was in practice. Yeah. How often do fights break out? Because we heard about you hear about it every year in camp. Guys are together. It's big personalities. Did did you see that often in the NFL? Little scuffles here and there, or or serious fights. You see you see it more in training camp um, than anywhere. Uh, once you get to the season, you really don't see it much. Uh, every now and again, you—I mean, tempers flare. You know, somebody think that somebody did something dirty, or um, you know, you just rolled out rolled out of the bed the wrong way that morning. And you just want to take it out on somebody. Well, it's a crazy world that you live in, right? Yeah. When you're playing NFL football, you're y'all are making big dough, but your livelihood's on the line seemingly every week. Mm-hmm. You get paid to have a car crash, and you can be a nice or a few. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a nice guy, but then you got to turn it up and get yourself mentally prepared to do it. And whenever you know, we, we've talked on the radio a ton now. When you're, you know, you're you're a calm, collected, easygoing, does. But you, but there's something that you're able to dial into come game day, where you're able to, you know, do what you have to do to be successful. It's it's the competition of it. Um, here's the one thing that I went into every game thinking: whoever I'm going up against that day, at the end of the day. I don't want them in there. No, that 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 just wasn't going to happen, and that's what I thought going into the game. The one-on-one matchups that I that I had to to have the most of at the end of the game, I wanted for me and my family to say, "Hey, you had a good game against whoever," not the other way around. What uh, what was the hardest part for you transitioning from playing into now in the business world and and having the same level of if it's even possible, excitement to 
go out there and, and make a living in a different way that's just not as fun or, and or exciting or as glamorous as playing professional football. The most difficult part of that transition was just trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to do it? Um, you, you have to – I never identified myself as just a football player. And that, that kind of irritated me sometimes when people would come up to you and talk to you and only ask you about football things. As, as my daughter would say, I'm a, I'm a whole person <laughs> um, here. Um, and and um, that's the reason why I named my first book Before and Beyond the Game because I didn't want to talk about the game. I wanted to talk about the person who was Desmond Clark. But I actually had to sit down for a couple of weeks and figure it out. Um, not knowing what I wanted to do or what I was going to do, the first thing I figured out is, all right, what is, who, what am I going to be about? And I came up with my purpose statement, which I still live by today. And that purpose statement, in the first three um, words, I adopted from the coach you probably wouldn't think I adopted this from, Mike Morris. Okay. Because, you know, he didn't play me. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really care for him too much as a coach, but as a man, he had some really good um, – as a man, he was a really good man. That's interesting. Um, but excellence – with excellence being the standard. Okay. That's the first three words. With excellence being the standard, my purpose is to enhance the lives of others through any expertise or resources that I have available to me. With respect to my family, at every opportunity, transforming strangers and associates alike into extended family members. Now, I could break all of that down, but that's what I live by now. And, Mark, we, we've been around each other long enough. And I think if I ask you the question, do you see me doing that on a daily basis, hopefully the answer would be yes. Well, that, so I that's why you know, I'm laying in bed uh, this week and I wake up, the first thing I'm doing is checking all the social media. And I get on my LinkedIn and there you are talking about the F. And, and, I, and I was inspired, like, okay, Carmen, let's get out of bed here. Let's not get an F today. Let's get after it, and let's move things forward as, as, and try to, as they say, you know, win the day. Win the day. Yes. And you're, you, what, what, break down everything you're doing right now for people who maybe would be just interested in, in talking to a former bear slash mm-hmm. now businessman who is out there trying to help people. So um, first and foremost, um, on the business side, I'm, I'm co-owner, vice president of the insurance people. Um, full full insurance agency, health, life. Um, I run the property and casualty, the home, auto, and commercial um, division of that company. Uh, secondly, I'm an author. Got my second book coming out, writing it right now, Principles of Winning. And then I also do a lot of speaking engagements as a, um, as a motivational, inspirational speaker, really focusing on leadership, those principles of winning that I'm writing about, and really pursuing excellence. Um, so those are the two things that really keep me busy besides um, trying to aggravate my daughter every now and again and, and, and um, um, make sure that um, I'm being a good father. I love it. I love I, it, Des. I, I, I just saw Martell is down in the Super Bowl, and he's you know most recently transferring out of the game tight end made made his way around the league a little bit he's an interesting dude too he, he is he got a lot of stuff that that's in front of him he, he told me that he he went to japan on a two-week sabbatical to try to find himself after he left the packers and you know he's he has the steps on on the what, what are they what do what people wear to count the thing 
Count your count your workout, Tevin Powell. Don't you know what this is? No, no. <laughs> you, whatever. One of those things that counts how far you've gone. Oh, so he, pedometer. Thing? Sure, whatever. Yeah. So he walked thirty-seven thousand steps on one day on a, on a Fitbit. 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 Yeah. Thank you. you yes, go. you had the Fitbit on. He he did thirty-seven thousand steps, and he was. It, it basically talked about how, like, normally in, in a Green Bay Packer practice, he was so angry one day because they did thirty thousand steps in one practice, like a normal a normal practice is fifteen thousand steps. They made me do thirty thousand. I thought it was so wrong. He basically wanted to fight the whole team, but then he walked thirty seven thousand steps. <laughs> Hold on, who who even counts the steps in uh, practice? Martellus Bennett. <laughs> Martellus Bennett, eighty three, was counting the steps, and he was angry about it. And whenever I would see him, by the way, covering, he would not, he. He did not enjoy the, at least the practicing part of football. Right, he moping around that locker room. You could tell like this is you might like Sundays, but you definitely don't like Wednesday right now, and you for sure want to go home, <laughs> especially uh, when you count the steps. <laughs> right, it's but the I I don't know what point I'm making here other than the fact that like he he just he had, he had to, to expand his mind into the, what the journey was going to be for mm-hmm. him, and you know he's he's got a he's got a book out there. But, but you know with him you you seen it when he was here. He was more than a football player. He was, yeah. He and was. and um, actually, it was a uh, Ray Austin who actually played here and Green Bay. He's from Chicago. He put a post out this morning, and um, on LinkedIn. And my comment was more than an athlete, because it's a lot of athletes out here that that we got a lot of a lot of stuff going on in these brains, and not bad stuff, good stuff, like good thoughts, good good ideas, and um. Yeah, there's a lot of good athletes out here that's doing some good things. And you're one of them, man. Thanks for taking time as Absolutely. always coming in, Des. Des Clark, former Chicago Bear, 312-981-7200. That's the phone number. KPN coming on back at 720 WGN. Thanks to our guy, Des Clark, 720 WGN, WGN Sports Central. Kevin Powell, Mark Carmen with you till 10 o'clock tonight. Coming up, Porter Moser from your Loyola Ramblers will be here at 845. Martha Stewart, Gardner Minshew, Shannon Sharp all on the program tonight. And, uh, yeah, big stuff going on at Northwestern. little shout-out to Joey Meyer, who had hip surgery. Not going to be doing cat hoop for a little bit here. Tomorrow, Northwestern at Rutgers, 530 tip on the road, Dave Bennett. And Nate Taphorn on the call. So best wishes to Coach Joey, one of my favorites on a quick recovery. But Pat Fitzgerald coming in to do the the uh, color commentary Wednesday night at home versus Michigan, KP. The Cats are in desperate need of some wins here. Maybe Fitz will be the, the, the lucky the lucky charm, if you will. It could uh, be a motivating factor when the players <laughs> see big big Fitz on the sideline alongside Dave Bennett. Um, <laughs> I had to wear my Northwestern hoodie today after I saw that news. Got me excited. North Carolina and Duke, by the way, are meeting for the one. Uh, over their last 100 meetings, believe it or not, since we're spe- talking about college troops here, yeah. each team over the last 100 meetings has won 50 games, so it's split 50-50. Each team over that stretch of 100 games scored 7,746 points. And they're an OT tonight. And they went to overtime, meaning that the scores were still identical after the 101st meeting. That's crazy. And Carolina, by the way, is under 500 right now at 10 and 12. They're three and eight in the in the ACC. So and the 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 bucket that tied the game up that sent it to overtime was one of the wildest plays I've ever seen in basketball. I haven't seen it. It was an intentional miss off the front of the off the front of the rim, hit it so perfectly it bounced all the way over the defenders to near the three point line. 
as if the guy knew it was going to end up there, ran back, caught it, dribbled through two defenders, and hit a buzzer beater to send it to overtime. Wow. That's... I mean, it looked like he had practiced the intentional miss many, many times. You're, you're making me uh, think about a guy that played at North Carolina last year who's now a Chicago Kobe Bull. Kobe White. Here's yeah. my question to you. I sent you this text the other day. You did. Will, 312 if you'd like to chime in on this, will the Bulls ever be good again? That was the text from Kevin Powell. I'm, like, I'm trying to enjoy... Zion Williamson being at the United Center on Thursday night. I went, out, you know, I went out to shoot around at, the, at you know eleven o'clock. Then I head out to the game. Full day at the UC. Full day at the UC. Uh, I, I only could stay for the first half, which is uh, was unfortunate. But regardless, why you know, could you only stay I for had, the first I, half? Pr- prior commitment had to had to uh, had to get on out of there. Just yeah. but I wanted to see some Zion as much as I could. And here's KP saying the Bulls ever going to be good. And I'm like, and, and you know what? It's a legitimate question. Well, it it is, unfortunately. So I don't know. Like you you think about you and you think back about the history of the Bulls, right? Let mm-hmm. let's go let's go calm calm life because I, I I don't know I didn't know the Jerry Sloan Norm Van Leers 1970s uh, got close made it to the Western Conference Finals Bulls, but after that they were. A team that was at the the end of the NBA, drawn six thousand people. Old Chicago Stadium was filled up for Blackhawks games. The Sting played indoor soccer at the time. They would get good crowds. The Bulls were getting six thousand. The only time people would come out to see him was when Dr. J would come in town, or Ju- or Magic, or Bird. That's when you would get a crowd for hoops at the at the at, at the stadium. Then they got Michael, locked into Michael. Had a terrible year. Portland drafts Bowie, Elijah Wan goes one, you get Jordan, everything changes. And you have the greatest run in, that the city will ever see in basketball history, NBA history. You win six titles. Okay. Then you go back into just complete death. Right. Eddie Curry, Tyson Chandler, Rusty LaRue. I mean, just uh, straight, awful. And you're one of the worst teams in the league. But Pax came in and he did a good job. Ben Gordon and Luol Deng and Joe Keem, and they built it back into a respectable Kirk Heinrich, a respectable team. But they didn't have that one guy. And then they have the well, whatever it was, two percent chance to get Derrick Rose and the number one overall pick, and they win the damn lottery. A championship seemed inevitable, and and they were right there until Rose got hurt. Right, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals multiple times. They won one game in the Eastern Conference Finals over those years. So, but the, my point is that the only time that this, this franchise has, has been good and been in the in the actual mix of you know quote unquote being good again is when they lucked into Michael, and they lucked into Derek. They they have not shown that given the a level playing field of building a, a real quality basketball team that is able to sustain themselves, they have not been able to do it. So so to answer your question, I have no idea when they'll be good again until they get some luck and end up with a Zion or a John Morant or somebody of that ilk who can lift them back up. Stars, superstars drive all leagues, but no league is driven more so by superstars than the NBA. The superstars dictate where they're going to play, and they dictate who they're going to play with. We've seen it now, and it started with LeBron going to Miami. It is acquiring superstars. And how can you do that? Well, you can you can draft somebody and hope they turn into a superstar. You can trade for them, 
or you could sign a free agent. Now, the Bulls have proven that they can't win free agents, the big-time stars, in free agency. But but they, it, it all changes, though. Like, look at look at Brooklyn. Uh, out of nowhere, the Brooklyn Nets, all of a sudden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving want to go play for the Brooklyn Nets. Right. Over the, it's, it's, so, it's, so it's crazy. It's unpredictable. I don't think it's good for the NBA. I mean, you see the ratings are down this year. I've never been more bored with the NBA. I've, I've never been less impressed with the NBA's quality than I am right is now. It, is it the style? Is it the It's a little bit of everything. I mean, I think part of it too though is like ca- casual NBA fans probably if they turn on a game, they would say, "Who's that guy?" and that guy's still in the league. That guy's with that team now. It's hard to keep track of it all. I don't think I don't think the consistency of having guys stick with organizations and building certain rivals. I'm not trying to be like old man um, they're doing it all the wrong way. There should be loyalty, all that. But it it does come to a point when there's no brand recognition with certain teams and certain players and certain rivalries and where teams are at, where teams are going from the best to the worst to the worst to the best. You can't even follow. I bet you if you asked a common fan, not even a common fan, someone who maybe watches a game of the NBA, where does Kawhi Leonard play? You think they'd be able to answer that question? Three one two nine. He's one of the, if he's maybe the best player in the NBA. Three one two. googling it. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Call in and we'll we'll name a player and we, you can try to tell us where they play. I, I think people would get Kawhi. I would hope they would get Kawhi. Now, could they do Kawhi's career path and where he started, where he won the NBA championship last year in his one season, and then decided to leave? And, and then, well, he wanted to. I know. It's their own personal decisions. I don't care. I get it. I'm just telling you, the NBA product is not good right now. Well, here's... Like, the product itself is is more interesting to me. Like, because I don't mind guys jumping around. That's all over sports, and it's not going to change, and you want to go play... Not like the NBA. I'll, I'll watch you play... I'll watch you play in Toronto. I'll watch you play in Los Angeles. I'll enjoy it either way. I'll, but you're a diehard baseball, a basketball. Fan. I, I like lo- a, like a nut, like a nut basketball fan. Yes, I love I love basketball, but I, I'm also you know relative to like diehard diehards. I mean, I'm not going to spend every single night watching the league. But when I, but I, the, the biggest reason for the by the way, I think ratings are down is because LeBron's playing with the Lakers and they're all West Coast games. And I don't think that's well. It's, they're on the nine thirty at night. I get that, but you tell me the ratings are down because of that. I, just well, quit making excuses for it. Everything I just said is valid. That's why the ratings are dropping. Maybe, but LeBron being out there hurts. And but yeah, that's but, not well, that's not good for the league either. By the way, it shouldn't be tied to one guy, right? But I I think it's more look the three ever. Watching guys fire away three pointer after three pointer and no defense, right? It's a bad product. I don't. I don't think it's good for. I, personally, I would if if I was running the league, I like seeing guys fly to the hoop. I like give me a give me a give me a good hard foray to the bucket with a dunk and or sweet layup versus another three ball. So I would extend the line out and I would get rid of the corner three. So you would. I would have a circle. That's three feet deeper from where it's at right now, and I would get, and I would and I would have an arc from one side to the other, so the corner's gone, and you. So it doesn't make it to the baseline. It, it no, it never goes to the baseline. So I have it. You know, if, if this uh, we're on yeah, the radio, I, I understand. I think I, people get it. You, so you I would get, off the ends I, of the arc. I, I, right, and I'd make it farther out. So so basically, I would I would bring the mid game the the fifteen footer back into into more prominence. That's what I would do. Let's, uh, but they're. I don't think they're at that point yet. And the the league, 
It's it's unbelievable to me, by the way, that the All Star Game is here this week. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I I feel zero buzz. I'm with you. I'm like less than zero, and I'm fired up that it's here. I can't wait to go out and cover it. And, and like it. I remember when even like when the Sox had the All Star Game in 2001 or three, whatever that was. Uh, maybe it's because I was a kid back then, and I had it was, felt a little bit different as the way I approached my fandom in sports. But I, I thought that was huge. I was like, I can't believe the All Star Game is here in Chicago. It's a big the deal. Cu- the Cubs are fighting to get it back at Wrigley in, in a few years. I, I think when the All Star Game's at Wrigley, don't you think this town's going to be buzzing? Uh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Hassan, welcome to WGN. Go ahead, man. Hello, Hassan. Hello. Yes, sir. Yes. Are you an NBA fan, Hassan? Somewhat. Somewhat. Interesting. Somewhat. But, but you know where Kawhi Leonard plays? I believe it's L.A. Lake, uh, Clippers. Do you know where Jimmy Butler plays? Butler 76ers? That is incorrect. Jimmy, where where was Kawhi Leonard before the Clippers, Hassan? No, that's obvious. Toronto last year. Where was he before Toronto? Mm, couldn't tell you. He was there for a long time. He's one of our engineers here is very upset right now. Cause she... <laughs> well, he should be. I mean, these guys move around so much. Yeah, well, uh, he has any. He, he, he has and He sort of has it, but he was a San Antonio Spur, Hassan. Hassan, do you know where yeah. Paul George plays? Good question. That's with the um, Warriors, I believe. He He's, plays with Kawhi with the Clippers. This is bad for me. I'm, I'm getting emotional. I'm proving my points here. I'm with his honest. I'm, I cover sports as a professional. I got to Google sometimes where guys are playing. Well, to be honest with you, I, I really haven't. I haven't uh, been up to date with uh, NBA this year. That you're. Um, you're, you're proving I, my point, Hassan, I, I, so I, I appreciate it. you very much calling into 312-981-72. I wish I had tickets to the All-Star game to give you, Hassan. I don't, unfortunately, so we could we could get you get a, get a, get a program, get you rostered up. But appreciate you <laughs> checking you, in. Thanks, man. Thank you. By the way, ticket prices for the All-Star game, ridiculous. Super expensive, right? Which, I get it. I mean, the NBA, there's always major star power at NBA games, whether it's Lakers or really anywhere, because you get... You know, the music industry, you get uh, actors. So you got to figure it's going to be Celebrity Central here in Chicago for the All-Star Game. Text line, I would rather watch a three-hour show of Michael Jordan drinking whiskey and smoking cigars with no dialogue, just noise of him drinking and smoking, than watch any current NBA game. I completely agree. See, that's a little over the top. Carmen, you probably have some sort of video like this that you put on late night. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and hang out with MJ for the night. Have you seen The Voyeur on Netflix? No, I have no idea. What okay, is. it's a little uncomfortable and, and a weird comparison that I'm making. But like, that's basically what you're talking about. Let's just watch MJ play pool in his. I'd do it. In his I, I, was, I was obsessed with Jordan growing up, yeah. just like you still are obsessed uh, with him. Uh, does anybody like the NBA out there? Am I the only one left? Yeah, or? I mean, maybe maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. I, I I watch games. I do. I put them on. And there was like there was an entertaining Lakers Rockets game the other night, which could be a big time playoff preview. But I'm just not into the NBA right now. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred quick timeout seven twenty WGN. So for the record, by the way, the NBA All Star Game has changed its format, and I think it's going to make it even more exciting for you, Kevin Powell. 
rather than your standard points, do you know what's going on here? I do. So it's going to reset after each quarter. Winning team in the quarter gets $100,000 that they're going to be donating to charity. Local Chicago charity. So each quarter is going to reset. Coming mm-hmm. up here, by the way, a week from tomorrow in Chicago, NBA All-Star Game. Just a reminder, the NBA All-Star Game is here. And then the total from each quarter will be added up at the end. So if LeBron's team, who drafted, say, has 100 points, and Giannis's team, which was awful, has 95, rather than an actual time in the fourth quarter, they'll add 24 points onto that top score, and you play to, if it was 195, you play to 124. So rather than like stalling out the clock and the fouls and everything, you're just trying to get to 124. Mm-hmm. Which I would, th- I think that's a great idea for basketball. Period. More, way more fun. I like the format. I think it's something different. I mean, I, that could that, that could it was make... starting to get a little out of control with the scoring. Didn't somebody get to two hundred recently or uh, close? Yes, to, uh, it was out of control. Now they're doing it each quarter, so we're gonna have competition each quarter. Try to keep it rolling. Uh, people are talking about how much they don't like the NBA. I, I, we're we're letting that happen right now. Jerry, welcome to WGN. Go ahead. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um. Well, here's the, the problem with the NBA now. Is just, I mean, besides the super teams, nobody has any fundamentals. So, you know, even like a great player like LeBron James or something, he can't even hit a free throw. You know, and you're getting paid, you know, millions of dollars, you can't even hit a free throw. He shoots six, so 69% from the line, Jerry. It's not 50. That's, that's not really not that good. I would rather <laughs> have Shaq. At least Shaq hits, says he hits them when, when, when they count, right? <laughs> Jerry, that you don't guy, want, you, he, do you really watch the NBA to see LeBron make free throws? Well, I mean, it's not just that. I mean, like I said, the fundamentals where you guys were talking about how they jack up threes. And, uh-huh. I mean, it's, it, that's just a part of it, you know? Okay. I mean, it's just. I mean that's part of like the the fundamentals, the free throws, uh, stop jumping, you know, jumping in the air to pass, or you know, all a whole bunch of isolations that were. I mean, all right, so you want? No, it's not even like a team game anymore. It's, it's just like individuals. All right, we got I, Jerry. We got to appreciate you. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred wants a little Bob Cousy action out there. I I I, <laughs> I, I, I okay, uh, Larry. What's up? Welcome to WGN. Hey, good evening. I want to use uh, Luka Doncic as a good example. Okay. Uh, he came in here as a child, what, 18, 19, and he's been playing with grown men in Europe for years. Uh-huh. And so that really, to me, the NBA players have the greatest example of ways to beat their CBA than any other sport in America because they have options. And they can go play in Europe, China, Italy, anywhere in the world and still make money. And so they have that advantage when they negotiate their contracts to where they make more, in my opinion, than an NBA player would make comparably. Okay, Larry. So, we're up against the clock here. I apologize. but It's you, a good point he makes. I don't know if that's necessarily the only reason the NBA is where it's at, but it's, I think it's a part where the players do have a lot of power, and that's fine. I think everybody should have a contractual agreement between a player's union and a league, and everybody should benefit in certain ways. But the constant bouncing around and demanding trades and heading to certain places, its thats I agree. Well, it's a global game now. That's, that's just how it's and, – and that's added on to the talent pool. I mean, you mentioned Luka Don. 
Doncic. I mean, Dirk Nowitzki, go all the way back to Tony Kukoc. The amount of talent that's come from overseas has made the league greater, and it's also opened up avenues for guys to go play. I mean, Stephon Marbury was played in China for a long time when his NBA career was over. But rarely guys are going to use that, though, to leave the league if you can play in the league. But it is interesting also for a college guy who, or for a high school guy who doesn't want to go to college, and you can go overseas, make dough, and then come play. All right, news is next, 720 WGN. Text line remains open. Things you would rather do than watch NBA basketball. Ooh, that's a good one. And by the way, it's totally fine, and I support you a thousand percent if you say there's nothing I'd rather do than watch NBA basketball. NBA basketball today, NBA basketball in the 80s on YouTube, NBA basketball. But there's also the side that KP is coming from here. Well, yeah, and just to clarify, I love basketball. Like I, I grew up kind of catching the last three. I had probably three Jordan posters on my bedroom wall. I'd go nuts when the Derrick Rose era was fun for a few years there. So it's nothing against like basketball and NBA or the Bulls. I, when the Bulls like. You just Even if the Bulls were good right now, I'd still probably admit, like, yeah, okay, but who cares? The Bulls are good, but nah, the rest of the NBA is probably not all that great. So I want them to be great. I want the NBA to be fun and exciting and wanting me to actually get into the NBA and watch it. Well, I, and, and I do watch the Bulls, but... Word on the street is that you're going to get to cover the All-Star game, so... I'm hoping. We, we can fun. We can, uh, we can have a moment out there at the, at the United Center. You and I can, you can give me a little NBA tutorial. Yeah, well, we'll sit next uh, to each other in the press box I, I, or on the floor or wherever they put us. We'll just try to walk into, you know, run into some of the greats. They're going to be walking around town here. I'm talking to Artis Gilmore this week, the A-Train, former uh, ABA or Chicago Bull. Horace Grant was in studio... Listener pre- texting in, they'd rather shovel snow than watch an NBA game. Well, then we can keep this out there. I just figured people could have some fun here. What would you rather do, shovel snow? Really? NBA is that bad. Hey, but shoveling snow, it's a, it's it's a, a good workout. It's a good workout. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, all right, uh, question for you, Kevin Powell. How often do you, as a millennial, as you stated earlier in the program, how often do you change the Kevin Powell bedsheets? I know it's an awkward question. I'll explain it in a second. It is an awkward question. Um, I hesitate to to respond honestly because I don't know how often people do it, and I don't want to come off as like. It also depends on like the average millennial. Uh, well, we'll get there in a second. Go ahead. There's no wrong answer. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe, like, maybe you're a guy that takes a shower before bed. You're super clean. And I do that no, sometimes. It's so right. much better to fall asleep after a good shower. Right. Good shower. Probably like I would say within like a two week stretch. You think two weeks? I don't think that's necessary. I think most people probably do a week. Maybe once a week. I, I, don't, I don't know. I think it varies too. Like sometimes okay. you're like, you know what? The sheets. Like in the summer, I think I wash them more because I, I'm I'm a hot sleeper. Like I got fan of full full go. I got the little cooling pad thing that I rolled out on top of my mattress. It cools things down. I wake up in the middle of the night, even with the air conditioning on, the middle of summer, sweating head to toe. Okay. So it gets a little grosser in the summer. I think. Uh, okay. So I don't know. Within a two week stretch, winter time less. Yeah, sweat? it's weird you ask me this because I was leaving today and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to even make the bed. Because I'm going to wash the sheets tonight. Tonight? Tonight. You get home after about 11 o'clock, you'll go into a full uh, washer dryer. Yeah, I'll grab a cold latte from the fridge, post up, Get a, not watch any NBA. Miller Lite going, okay. Get a Miller Lite, you know, well, go back and listen to the show, so, critique myself. Well, here, here's why. Now, if I can explain, I was, it was down at the Super Bowl, and they, they got you know media row there. You, you get to talk to different folk, and so... I think it was Wednesday of, of, of Media Week, and here comes Martha Stewart rolling in. 
And that's America's homeowner, America's homemaker. You know, she's in the kitchen, she's in the bedroom, she's in the garden, she's everywhere. So, you know, eventually you got to get to the bedroom. So I had this conversation with, with Martha about the old bed sheets. Well, I just got married. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with, you know, making the bed and, 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 I'm, and making macaroni. Do you have arguments when you make the bed? Yes, as to who's going to do it and how quickly, that type of thing. Oh, you don't do it together? No, oh, no. Because that's when I used to have so many bad arguments making the bed with my husband. Oh. He always wrinkled the sheets, and he didn't take, take the right selvage, and you know all those things. The hem was upside down, and it was such a horrible thing. I think it's much better if you leave it to your wife. See, well, why why does it matter if the sheet is like perfectly done? Like, but it, it matters because it's more comfortable. Yeah, the but bed it, is nicely made. So, okay. so do you sleep with a top sheet or just a duvet? No top sheet. Oh, you do. Yes, I think okay. that's important. Is it tucked in at the bottom or loose? Sometimes, sometimes. Sometimes. So, what would you do? Oh, I, it has to be tucked in. Has to be tucked yeah. in. But then how but do you not, get comfortable? Not the sides. Not the sides. Yes, because so I don't like my feet to stick out. <laughs> see, see, everybody's got their thing here. You Martha. want your feet to stick out? Does your I wife want, want her feet to stick I, out? I like to go over the top of the duvet, like I, you know, so I, I have a little bit of a, you know, an actual air on the on one leg and the, the warmth underneath. Because sometimes oh. it gets a little, you know, what happens if it's summertime? Well, then you don't have a duvet in the summertime. You see, that's one of my mistakes, and my duvet is a, a year-round thing. Oh, do you wash it? How often do you wash your bed? Mm, we probably wash the bed more than I, more than I ever have. Yeah. Maybe once every, the duvet itself, two months. What oh, about the sheets? How often do probably, you change the probably, bed? Probably a week. Every week? Every week. Is that enough? Two people sleeping in one bed, and you only wash it once a week? She, she's, my, I'm going to have trouble here. My wife is going to be in. How, how, how many days? No, I took a survey once just for, because I thought it was a funny thing. Yeah. And uh, the survey showed that the average American of a certain age, you know, like the, it's probably millennials, uh, once every three weeks. And that is disgusting. That, that, that's, that's disgusting. So your Martha Stewart's recommendation is? Well, if you can, it's best to do it like at least every five days. Every five days. Yes, okay. change your bed, wash the sheets, uh, refresh, da-da-da. So you, Kevin, you came in ahead of Martha's standard three-week millennial, which she said was disgusting, clearly. I said two weeks. I th- right, roughly. So, so but I'm, I'm sure there's been times it's gone longer, and there's probably been times where it's shorter. But she's right with two people because what's you know what's going on in the bed situation too. Yeah, okay, there that that's a fair point, I suppose. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. By the way, and by the uh, way, I know a lot of people that like like you know one leg out, maybe one foot out, just right? To feel the air. I mean, can we? Like, if people would just be willing to share their their their. Some people might be a little embarrassed, but some... you know, you don't have to put a face to your voice here on right. the radio. Three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Your name is Jim. Come in as a Bob. If it's Heather, go as a Rhonda. Frank, go as Johnny. You know, they're, they're, that's, I think this is, this is a key thing, though. I mean, Martha, she's top of the food chain here. She knows what's up. A listener texting in that uh, they took a poll of the millennials in the family and found that none of them used top sheets to us of a older age. That is crazy. I love the top sheet. Top sheet provides... It, it's it's nice- versatile. It snugs you in sometimes. In the summer, you can even just sometimes just rock the top sheet. If you're going straight at the duvet, then you're that that's that's just too dirty for me. I mean, then then you're in a you know you're in a straight for sanitary reasons you use it right right. But it, a, a wet, like when you like I'll probably sleep like a baby tonight because I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna throw <laughs> the sheets in the wash, I'm gonna post up on the couch, sip on a few lattes, throw the sheets in the dryer when I hear the buzz from the basement. Then I'll hear another buzz, and then I'll do the bed, 
and then that crisp, the sheets. It's a it's a big win. And then I'll probably go back downstairs, have a couple more lattes, get ready for bed, go to bed, and I'm gonna sleep like a baby tonight. See, okay. So you do you buy it in Martha's? It's got to be tucked in. I like it tucked in, but by the end of the night, like I'm, I'm, I'm crazy like sleeper. I'm flying around the bed. I, I mean, it looks like a disaster zone when I wake up. Sheet, everything's, I'm, I'm rolling over, so you, making t- weird noises, so when snoring. You, when you make the bed, do you tuck in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When do, I init- the initial, the, the yeah. initial. There's is probably a- been times where I got a little lazy and just said, "Whatever, this is good enough." Right. And just threw it over the bed. But if I want like a nice, but nicely made bed, Saturday night couple lattes. Kevin Powell's gonna, he's gonna, you're gonna tuck it in. You're gonna and 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 you're gonna have a great feeling, and then you're gonna rip it apart. And then I'm gonna rip it apart. Okay, yeah. I'm getting a little uncomfortable. That could use some different some different language there. But I thought Martha was, I mean, I, I I felt leadership right there. Yeah, if she was direct, she was ready. She had the proper answer. Gave you some good advice. Did you feel um like she was like you were talking to your mom for a moment there, or I, grandma or I, something? Because she has that uh, that tone. The, like she was I, almost like waving her finger at you, shaming you for not doing it more often. I felt very intimidated yeah. at the end of the day. And, and does, she, does she pack a big presence when she's walking around so Radio she, Row so at the she, Super Bowl? So she walks up and it's like, okay, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I'm calm. I can hang with Martha. No big deal, right? You've interviewed all the stars. You're but, Carmen. Right. I'm, I, I mean, MC Hammer came rolling through. I can talk to Martha. No problem. But then, you know, afterwards when you do the interview, you kind of want to have that moment of like you like it went well and you get the bond, you get the hug or the bang. You didn't feel that? No, she was out and out oh, the door. No, no. And, uh, what was she pushing? Because all these people, to give people an idea, they show up, celebrities, anybody, right. they show up to Radio Row and it's all people like Carmen or Adam Hogue and they post up on a little table and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's Radio Row. And all these random people come through and, they st- and they're all selling something. She was with Tostitos. She loves a good chip on a Super Bowl. Nice, hearty... I, by the way, you can uh, I, I, on the old on the mark podcast is the whole interview with Martha. But she she uh, she was with Tostitos. She made breakfast for everybody on the plane that day. Like she got up at I don't know. She did something the night before, and then she like baked a bread pudding for for the workers that she was leaving who were going to be doing stuff at the house. And then she brought like eggs and salt and pe- individual little packets and all this stuff for everybody who was flying with her, going to the Super Bowl. I mean, she really went all out here, and it, and it's nothing for Martha. No big deal. All right, quick timeout. Bunch of texts rolling in here on your on your sleeping habits. 312-981-7200. Thank you to Martha Stewart, 720 WGN. Big topic on the show tonight, sleep etiquette. Mark Harmon, Kevin Paul with you, 720 WGN. Mike Rizzo, who's the general manager of the World Series champion, Washington Nationals. A uh, little thing on him and the Astros cheating coming up after 8.30. But on the text line here, KP, say I took a, a mini survey at a mini survey at a party one time about which side of the bed does this husband sleep on and which side does the wife sleep on almost all of the wives sleep on the right side of their husbands which was usually closer to the door Mm -hmm. right side so now that you're a married man Sleep in the same bed as your wife every single night. Well, see, that's assumed we do do that. Yes, Kevin. Thank you. Um, she is on my, the right side of, of 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 me, her left, but she's farther from the bathroom. Uh, but this, but what happened was who's closer to the door, to the bedroom? Uh, bedroom door. I am closer. 
I, I have a much more direct path to what, which, for the record, is my bathroom. I am not allowed into the the actual bedroom bathroom. That and I can take a shower in there because that's the only shower. But I am not allowed to use said toilet in that room. That's not for me. I have my own bathroom Are you for that. Serious? Yes, I have my own bathroom. So for, the bathroom outside of your bedroom, right? You gotta like, walk down the hall. I gotta go. I gotta go down the hall, past the kitchen, around the closet, into my own. Really. My own little corner. That's my only little corner in the whole place. Like everything oh else, I came. I came back from the. She's gonna kill me. She's listening. I, I came back from the Super Bowl. It was you know I was working hard all week. KP, it was yeah. a big week. I know. I saw you. Right. We're coming. We're coming back. It's uh, it's late Saturday night. Okay. We didn't stay for the game. So late Saturday night, I'm coming back. It's, I get home. It's one in the morning. Well, I put down my my bag and, and my whatever stuff I had, and I put it sort of in the front area. And that was very, hey, you've been gone all week. Place is clean. I, you're, I don't want your stuff all over. I'm like, you know, I, I live here too, don't I? Can't I? Do I really have to properly place everything in its spot when you get home at one in the morning? So I, 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 I was called out, KP. I don't know what the point of all this was, other than the fact that I do have to, I do walk, uh, I, I go a long walk for my, you know, 4 a.m. in the middle of the night. Old man must go to the bathroom before he can go back to bed and maneuver. That's the way it is. But she, the, I, I think generally the the woman is closer to the bathroom in the bedroom, right? That's in that, isn't that the etiquette? That's the sweet thing to do. It feels that way. I didn't know if there was a bathroom thing. I always thought the husband was willing closer to the bedroom door because to, for protection. I don't know. I guess, but I don't think that's. <laughs> I don't think that's. I don't know for protect. I don't know. It just always felt like that's the way it was supposed to be. I, this was, but this this is like a sideways conversation. I just want to know how often people change their sheets. Right. Like, Carmen ran into Martha Stewart's St- Super Bowl and Stewart- Radio Row, mm-hmm. and she was shaming Carm for only changing his sheets once every week. And she's like, "It's week. A, the longest it can possibly be is five days." Just so this is a very important formal informal poll here on the phone line text line three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. You know how. Do are you on board with Martha, or perhaps is Martha just a little bit yeah, over the top? Like that's just a little bit too much. Who can who has the time to change their sheets that often? Changing your sheets is a big commitment. You got to take them off the bed. You got to get them in the laundry. You got to get now. You got to get them in the dryer. Now you got to get them back on. I mean, that's a huge. That's 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 a that's a assuming you don't have multiple sheets going on. That's a two hour commitment right there. Right, you got to be around. That's on a weekend. It's not even fun. You can't. You can't even go to breakfast. I mean, the only real rough part of changing the sheets is putting them on. I see. I think taking them uh, taking them off. No is way. You just rip them off the bed, yeah. chuck them in the wash. How many pillows you got on the KP bed? I got four pillows. Okay, like so four and a half. Four and a half pillows. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, you got to get four pillowcases off. The pillowcases are easy. And the then most you, difficult part is putting the sheets back on. Where do you? And then what do you do with the pillow once you take the pillowcase off? Do you put it back on the bed? Yeah. Or or, or maybe on the floor? Seeing that now it's on the floor. And now I know, I, sometimes I think about that. Like, well, now my pillow's on the floor. Right, now your pillow's on the floor. If you're When you get off your singlehood, it's, that's going to be an issue for you, just to let you know. Pillow cannot be on the floor. That's straight. That's a problem right there. Curtis, you got anything to add on this, you single man? You, how often do you wash your sheets over there? Uh, probably every two to three weeks, but I live in an apartment building, <laughs> yeah. so I have to use a, like a pay card. So in order to like use my laundry machine, I have to like swipe a card, not like a, like my credit card, but like an actual like pay card that yeah. I charge money onto it. So if, every two to three weeks, because if I did it like every week, I'd be just racking up, wasting so the money on the sheets versus my clothes. Which you're, I think is, you're worried about the dough. We gotta, yes, we got to get Curtis a raise. Yes, this, this is not good. 
I mean, I went straight to the finances here on the sheets. Curtis, what about your what about your sanity? What about your comfort level? These are important things. It's an investment in yourself. Yeah, but I have a bunch of other blankets, so <laughs> if I just need to mix up a blanket here or there, Kevin, I can do that. No solution here? I don't know. That's a tough situation for you, Curtis. <laughs> Unless you have some sort of excessive sweating problem at night, I think probably about twice a year is right on track with all you need to change them. Maybe change the pillowcase every few weeks. Twice a year? That's from a listener text. Okay. Now now I'm worried about our listeners. You, we, two a year is... Uh, That's kind of absurd. But, but hey, do you. L- live your dream. Be comfortable. Uh, and by the way, yes, I, the, to the text about, is, is latte code for beer, uh, Kevin? Yeah, Miller Lattes. Miller Lattes. It's a, if you follow Kevin on, on, on Instagram, at Kevin Powell 720 wgn did I say that right? Yeah, you did. You always get, a, you always get a, a one little shot of a Miller Lite at the end of the day. That's what you bring to the yeah, table. Yeah, their 2020 batch that they just rolled out, delicious. 2020 batch? The 2020 the batch. The 2020 batch of Miller Lite? Okay. Almost as good as their Christmas blend. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to talk Astros cheating scandal with you, Kevin Powell. See where you're okay. going on this. Mike Rizzo, who won the World Series, did they plan? Did they know the Astros were cheating? Were they aware? We'll, we'll play a little audio coming on back here. 720 WGN. 720 WGN. Our Carmen Kevin Powell with you till 10 o'clock tonight. WGN Sports Central. KP, your thoughts. Should the Houston Astros World Series Championship 2017, should that count or should it be, be an asterisk? I think we all have a mental asterisk for it, right? Yeah. Moving forward, I don't know if you're actually going to rip the title from them and say you no longer were World Series champions, but... I don't think anybody who's a sports fan or a baseball fan is going to forever forget that. You're the commissioner. You leaving them, you you're leaving them with the title? I think so. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know if you can it's it still comes down to playing the game. Obviously, an unspeakable amount of an advantage they had against their opponents by doing that. And I'm not going to go with the idea that well, if other teams were doing it too, who cares? Cuz I don't think People were as many teams were doing it to the extent they were. Sounded like they had their own proprietary system set in place that they started. Right. Um, Certain sorts of sign stealing has always been around. Again, that's no excuse. But I, a guy looking into the catcher from second base and using his own two eyes and trying to figure out, I'm I'm okay with that. That's part of baseball. Agreed. Doing what the Astros did was absurd. So I mean, and I'm just surprised that no players are facing any sort of discipline. I'm with you on that one, too. And the story just keeps evolving as A.J. Hinch, who was the Astros manager, now fired, speaking out how he should have done more. And back to the Super Bowl, Mike Rizzo, general manager, Washington Nationals. You're playing the Astros in the World Series. Everybody in baseball probably knew what was going on, right? Or at least should have known. So I asked him, like, hey, uh, did you... And I think we have the, my questions included here. Did you think that you were on a level playing field when you played the Astros in the World Series this year? Did you think that the playing field was level this year in the World Series? Well, you know, we we had great preparation for for the the whole playoffs, but including including the, and especially the World Series. You know, we went into this thing with uh, you know. Great help from our advanced scouts in the field, our, our video advanced guys, and our, and our pitching people. Uh, you know, we we definitely uh, we readjusted our our, our signal calling. Uh, our catchers were very uh, intuitive in the way they called games, in the way and the and the and the, the signs that we used. So we were, uh, you know, we were very very focused on uh, on doing our part to uh, to 
allow us to do what we could do and not have anybody steal any of our signs. And I, I think that uh, the credit goes to our, our manager, Davey Martinez, for the way he handled it. And our video advanced guys, our advanced guys in the field and, uh, and the pitching staff, uh, in, including Paul Menard, our pitching coach, did a masterful job. So you were aware that there could be, that you guys maybe needed to do a little extra? Well, we were, you know, we weren't taking any chances for, for yeah. anything. And uh, you know, 2019, we we had, we had gone through so many trials and so many tribulations, uh, so many road bumps in in, in the row. We weren't going to let anything derail us. So we we prepared and and probably over prepared, but we were we were ready for any scenario that came up. Prepared and over prepared, did everything they possibly could. We had our scouts. We had Davey Martinez. They they knew that they were going up against an Astros team that was cheating. Now, they were able to get around it, and they won the World Series. Who knows how much impact it had. But uh, is that crazy to you? I, I thought that was – like, they were – they knew that these guys had their video system up, and we're going to have to devise a whole other intricate plan to get around what the Astros were doing. Congrats to them for doing it, but that was part of the, that was part of the strategy for the 2019 World Series. I think it's I, – I find it amazing. Like – you really, you, you it's it's hard enough to go out there and be successful on the field, right? And these guys were like, "All right, here's the deal: they have cameras out in center field. They're going to be looking in. So, so rather than show, let's do let's do a fastball in the first inning is a one, and then in the second inning we're going to make it a two, and after that we're going to switch to a four to a three. Like how, you, you, there's a lot. That's a lot of headspace. However, they did it. I don't exactly know what it was to to make it out that the the Astros could not pick up what they were doing with their technological talents. There's going to be a strong, a very strong presence from MLB in spring training, going to every camp, making sure regulations are in place to avoid this sort of disaster again. I think you got to take the World Series from a man. I mean, I wouldn't be completely opposed to it. I don't know if they can go that far, but look, it does. It doesn't matter either way. I, I mean, their image is tarnished now. I yeah. At the end of the day, that's fair. Like okay, you know. Uh, is is the there? Um, if you were an Astro, do you think you would have done it? It's so hard to say because you get p- people in groups, and then you get you get right. encouragement from certain people, and then you get things that you're doing wrong feel fine because everyone's doing it around you. It's it, I'm not going to sit here and say no way I wouldn't have done that. Probably would have felt really guilty. Maybe I would have had the guts to, to come out and say something. Maybe I would have been just as guilty as them. I'm not going to sit here like I'm on a higher pedestal than all of them. It's it's very easy to get sucked into bad behavior. Let's 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 have a let's have a mea culpa moment right here on 720 WGN 312-981-7200. When were you given an advantage where you could cheat and you gave in to temptation? And you willingly took advantage of the situation to benefit you, and then after the fact, felt awful. You felt awful about it. I could give you one just this 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 last week, which is a, an, an, an slightly embarrassing moment. Not the same thing, but I would I, I would I would put it under the same umbrella. Not, I'm not taking something from another person per se, like uh, like the Houston Astros did, but. Let's let's say let's say you're riding on the metro train, having a nice having a nice ride in. Nice UP Northwest line. UP Northwest. Maybe sipping a latte. Maybe sipping a latte. Conductor never takes the ticket from you. Oh, 
Yeah. Right? You've been there? Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, do you willingly turn yourself in? I haven't. I've. There have been a couple times where I'm, I'm on like a second level and I'm right. maybe I dozed off or I just, this guy just never came up to me and I walked off and I didn't pay. Right. Right. So I'm not, guilty not, of that. Not the same thing, but that's a, that's a taking advantage. We're all human. We all give in to temptations here. So you we can you can understand how it happened, I suppose. It snowballed. It's so, it's so very easy to sit here right now. And say, like, shame on them, and like, I would never do something like that. And I think a majority of people listening probably would, wouldn't would have done that, you know? But there, there is... I don't know. I think, I, I, I think most people would, would but it's, it's very hard. Plus, you're in a culture where there's millions and millions and millions of dollars on the line. There's a lot of big egos. There's a lot of guys trying to make an, get an edge on other stuff. So, yeah, okay, maybe this would be good for the team, but this might be good for me, too, and my stats. Like, right. that stuff can very much snowball. And, 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 when, and when you have... The people that are in charge not doing anything about it, that makes it even easier. Imagine no repercussions, right? If the front office is involved with this, why would the players – The only it, it just comes down to the integrity of the game and standing up to it and saying no. But when you have the people that are cutting you the checks and giving you contracts and giving you – you know, showing that they want you on their on their roster, like it's a dream for all these guys to play in professional baseball, right? And and to that point, as the story continues to get further and further down the road here, and more things are coming out today, ESPN writing Houston Astros front office laid the groundwork for the team's electronic sign stealing sign stealing plays via a program dubbed Code Breaker. That was introduced by an intern in the organization. Actually, the Wall Street Journal had this report on Friday. ESPN's rewriting it up. Um, according to the Wall Street Journal, the Excel-based application designed to decode opposing catcher signs was used throughout the 2017 season for part of 2018 by Astros baseball operations employees and video room staffers, both at home and on the road. They had a name for it, Codebreaker. Yeah. Well, and the thing that um, but, they're different but the same in terms of the way we evaluate or critique somebody's legacy is the steroid era where you had players who were approached and whoever it may have been said, hey, man, I've got some stuff that is going to make you a better player, and then MLB doesn't even know anything about it. Right. And I'll just inject you right in your buttocks, and you're going to go destroy your opponents. But it's not illegal yet. And guys did it. And by the way, I don't think actually MLB even cares. They want home runs. They don't want to find you. It's it's totally It'll be cool. fine. And you're gonna you're make ca- a, you got a contract in two years, and you're going to make a ton of dough. It's going to be. I'll get sweet. you a hundred million dollar contract. Just you'll, go out and hit thirty homers on hundred RBIs the next two seasons. You'll, you'll never get caught. Trust me, they don't want it. They don't want to blow the whistle on this. I mean, yeah, it's and, not right, but it's you know, it's it's. I but the I feels wrong, right, and the, it's very easy for people to to judge and point fingers at, at, at I, after the fact. I would never. I, I I like this text from the six three zero. I absolutely would have stolen the signs with them. I mean, I tell people no, I don't want any more beer, and they're like, oh, here's one more, and I go, yeah, of course, I'm gonna. That's what. I, well, that's what I'm I was gonna, gonna drink it. it. I mean, think of it like even the days of your teenage years or high school or college when you get peer pressured into doing anything, right? Sure. Just have a beer, man. It's cool. Like stuff, anything like that. All of these things are a little bit different, but kind of the same. Which is why, by the way, at the end of the day, you need a leader with integrity. AJ Hinch was the manager. He knew it was wrong, but he wasn't willing to stop it fully. And, and it sounds like if there was anyone trying to stop it, it was him. Obviously, didn't go far enough. But there were, were reports that. He had even ripped because they had a little monitor. They basically the gist of it. They had a runner. They had like an assistant running from a video room to the dugout to signal pitches. Then to cut out the middleman, they put a video monitor in the dugout. 
they put a video monitor in the dugout and that would and give them signals. And apparently AJ Hinch at one point was so annoyed with it and frustrated, couldn't believe we're doing it. He like ripped it off the wall. But it continued, obviously. Yeah, so we have some audio from AJ. 312-981-7200 is the phone number. Text line, by the way, is we're talking about Sammy and Mark should be in the Hall of Fame along with Pete Rose if the Astros keep the title. A lot of people are making that argument. I think it's interesting that, and, and Pete Rose is making that argument. Uh, you know, he's trying to get himself back in good graces because, hey, Look, he's got the president behind him. He's, Donald is is weighing in too. And a lot, listen, a lot of people are on Pete's side. He, it's been long enough. He only bet on the Reds. Look at the Astros. All that's going on. But the, to the, but I, I don't. To me, it's like just because we went down this slippery slope doesn't mean we need to go down another. It's written in every clubhouse. You can, thou cannot bet on baseball. So I don't. I don't quite get that, but here this was this was AJ Hinch for the record on 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 what he should have or could have taken responsibility for. Oh, hang on one second. There we go, Chris. One more time. You know, it happened on my watch, and I'm not proud of that. I'll I'll never be proud of it. I didn't like it, um, but I have to own it because in a leadership position, I mean, the commissioner's office made it very very clear the GM and the manager were in position to make sure that nothing like this happened and we fell short yeah you fell short but like i don't know if like you were being asked to like i think he was following what they actually wanted let me get cut to curtis on on whether he asked the players to stop which was kevin was talking about and and you know his efforts and, and would they have if he had actually really asked that's hard to hear um i hope so no i hope so you know, I hope so that, that as in a manager the, position... Hitting the monitor with a bat wasn't enough. Clearly, it wasn't. And I think that's what um, what I look back at as, as something I could have done better. Um, you know, I, um, I, I think as you grow in, co- in confidence, right? As you grow... As a manager, if you look at my career, um, I'm much, at, at much more confident today than I was in 2017. Where I fell short is I didn't believe that at the time. Um, otherwise, I probably would have handled it differently, and I should have. So he didn't believe that his players would actually listen to him. He felt like a fraud, basically, as the manager. Did you hear it the same way? Kind of. It's so weird because before all this, I was like, I really like AJ Hinch. It was interesting too, um, how much the the um, the way people viewed the Astros and Nationals flipped. Even one after this aftermath, but even during the World Series, the Nationals all of a sudden became such a likable team. Where before it was like nobody liked the Nationals because Bryce Harper and he was divisive for divisive for whatever reason. The Nationals are like you you beat the Astros, you know. Like I think that people view the teams differently now. Like sweet, you guys found a way to beat these guys who were cheating. And if this had come out before the World Series, that the whole what if the story broke before the World Series? Would have made him. Ev- would you lot- play the World Series? What would happen? There, there would have been super uncomfortable. That would have been for wild for everybody. It would have. Let, let's get Dustin in here on seven twenty WGN. Dustin, go ahead, my friend. You want to talk about the Astros? You're on. Yeah, so I was thinking, like Rob, like if you read the full report, Rob Manfred had known about this, like the first two times, and he knew at Boston. So it's like he swept it under the rug, and then it took what. Mike Pierre's telling Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic that oh yeah they knew about it the whole time. I think AJ Hinch is lying too. Like 
I mean, you know what's going on. Like, you're right in the dugout. And then, I mean, the GM, like, obviously he should have been fired, like, years ago. But you have to vacate those trophies. I, I, I'm i with you, Dustin. I appreciate the phone call, and we can continue this conversation. We've got Porter Moser coming up from Loyola in a minute here. But it's, you know, it, people kill the media all the time, right? If Ken Rosenthal and the Athletic weren't there for Mike Fires to talk to, who knows if this would have ever gotten out, right? It's true. I mean, and so, at any rate, uh, it, 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 it's... It's it's interesting how the story actually came to be. It, it, a player went to the media who went to another team and complained about what was going on there, and then the whole thing blew up. Which is amazing, by the way, that Houston didn't consider that this would happen. Somebody's going to leave this team, by the way, they're going to talk about us, which doesn't make it, that's not making it better, you know? Like, you, it shouldn't be like, we shouldn't do this because we could get caught down the line. It should be just the integrity of it, period. But you could also file that in there. That, by the way, uh, hey, we're probably going to get caught. So maybe we shouldn't do it just because we're going to get caught. Not, and It would be nice if it was just the morals. And I don't want to get on the high horse either. Uh, but that would be something that you think they would have thought about. All right, Porter Moser, one of the great, great college basketball coaches coming up here from Loyola. He's next, 720 WGN. 720 WGN. This man would never cheat. He does everything right. He's disgusted by the Astros. (laughs) And he's got a book coming out here. Of course, took the Ramblers to the final four. Porter Moser, welcome to WGN. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. What's up? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. It, it is it is our pleasure. As uh, I, I love talking college hoop and, and love talking it with you, phenomenal, phenomenal. Uh, are you, are you still uh, are you able to walk down the street, Porter? After what you've done, I know it's you're perhaps not on the Final Four path immediately right now, but uh, th- that was one of the greatest stories that we've had in Chicago, certainly in college basketball, in a long, long time. Well, that's what was so cool about it is that I'm from here. I'm a, I'm a total Chicago guy. I just I grew up loving every the sports: Cubs, Bears, Blackhawks, Bulls, and uh, to be able to be a piece of this and do it in Chicago. That's what was so cool for me, and to enjoy it with so many friends and family that were Chicago sports fans. Because I truly, I mean, I, Chicago sports fans, I think it's, it's are the best. And that was what was so cool for me to, to do it in Chicago. I was spoiled enough. I've I've been so lucky to be, cover a bunch of stuff in just a short period of time here at WGM, but they sent me down to San Antonio to cover that, and that was just like an unreal experience, the buzz around the town. I'd never been to a Final Four, and then obviously being able to cover a Loyola team. I know you're, you don't want to reminisce too much. you got a pretty solid team going this year as well, but that, it was. I, I'll never forget the experience uh, down there in San Antonio. You know, it was. I've been, you know, I've been coaching Division One for thirty years, and our convention is there. And so we, we go to. I've been to thirty Final Fours in a row, and I go there. And when I was really a young coach, we used to go to the practices, and I'd sit there. And I remember being out there, just watching, just going, "Man, I cannot believe." Can you imagine being in it? And I remember Jim Nance was interviewing me at the practice, and we had thirty-eight thousand at our practice. <laughs> and Jim Nance was interviewing me, and I was talking to the crowd, and I, I actually had a shout-out to all the young coaches out there. I go, all you guys out there, man, I'm telling you, dreams can come true, man. It can happen. And it was it was really cool to see the pride of the Loyola alumni 
I get that the most from loyal alumni, just talking about the pride that, you know, to bring it back because it was dormant for so many years. And, um, but it's, I tell you, it's bittersweet though. And the, there's one side of me that I can't even look at a Michigan emblem. Like well, it's, they're everywhere. And, you know, we were up 10 in the second half and I do have a, a part of me that's just like, you know, we thought we were going to win it all. You know, we, we were believing that much and we had such a tight, close knit group. And we, we thought we really thought we were going to win it all. And uh, it was, it was bittersweet when it ended, um, and that's why I think our emotions were so high on, you know, disappointment because we, we really felt we could have, you know, a fairy tale ending to win it at all. You know, it's funny you mentioned the alum because it felt like everybody all of a sudden was like Loyola alum. Because <laughs> everywhere in Chicago, everybody had like Ramblers <laughs> gear or the Ramblers scarves. That was so cool to see um, in the stands. I remember showing up to the game and be like blown away by how many Loyola fans there and everybody had the same look. But I'm like, I didn't know there were so many Loyola alums walking around Chicago. Oh man, amen! I swear, before and I swear we had two thousand alums. Now we got about a hundred thousand. <laughs> it felt that way. Well, big game by the way with Valpo tomorrow, three o'clock tip at the Gentile Center. Come on out as the Ramblers looking for their sixteenth win on the season, trying to get to eight and four in, in the conference. Uh, before we get to the book that you're putting out here, Porter, I mean, you you guys have an opportunity this year to to uh, play some postseason basketball if things roll right. Absolutely. We've got a lot of games left, you know, and, and then we got our tournament, and uh, we got four more at home. I think they're, uh, I know tomorrow's a sellout. Northern Iowa's a sellout. We got Illinois State coming in. But uh, I like our group, man. I, I think, you know, we don't have any seniors. And, I, you know, the one thing with not having seniors, and I've had seniors the last two years, is you get that senior urgency going on with your leadership. And I, I, I really like my leadership, but we got to get this edge and urgency coming up here this last four or five weeks. And the one thing I like about this group is, is we're getting better. We had a we complete breakdown last Wednesday, but how we bounce back is, is, is part of who we are. And, uh, you know, I, I like this group. I think we got some really good pieces that can get hot here in late February and going into the conference tournament. Well, Cameron Crookwood is a hell of a player, and he was phenomenal for you guys as a freshman in the Final Four run. And he's a, gonna you'll have you'll have that senior leadership next year from him, but uh, you know that's a guy that certainly can play some overseas basketball at the bare minimum uh, when his career is, is done at Loyola. And he's I mean he's been a rock for you, Porter, no doubt, right? He's absolutely you know one of the just a dream to coach, and he is showing unbelievable leadership. You know, he's, for a big man, you know, a lot of times centers don't talk. They just, I mean, how many times have you seen centers like in the NBA that are like the, the leaders? You just, it just doesn't happen a lot. They're usually guards. And Crut is an amazing voice of, of, um, to the guys on, he has a high IQ. Um, and he's got an incredible chance to leave an incredible legacy. I mean, he's been there two years, his first two years, final four, two Missouri Valley championships. You know, first team all league fresh of the year, and you know, he's having a, a first team all league year this year. And we're not done yet, and we're not done. And uh, he's all about winning. Awesome student. I think people that get to know him just know he's just he's a, he's a, just a, a great young man to be around all the time. Okay, Porter. Every time I have a college basketball conversation, I have to bring this up, and so I, w- I want to call it the Carm Tournament. I'm going to have to name it after myself, but you know, I- I'm willing to give that up just to get this thing done. But I think every year around the holidays, we get Northwestern, we get Loyola, we get DePaul, 
We get UIC. We can throw in the Illini. And we have a, 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 a rotating Chicago-Illinois tournament where we get some solid juice going for teams. Now, and, and a little college basketball talk in the city. We can, and I think we can rotate venues. We can have it at the Gentile one year. We can have it at the New Welsh Ryan. We can move over to Alston. Whatever, whatever we want to do. Go down to Wintrust. I, I, I think we move it around, get everybody on board. Can we get this done? Carm, pick your pen up. And I want you to write Porter, Porter's in. <laughs> <laughs> I love this idea. I'm in. I know. We've talked about it. It's just it's I know it's hard to get all the pieces coming together, but uh I am in. It's just that's the that's the one thing going on with and I hate to say mid major basketball, so I'm I'm gonna say the term non power five conferences and power six conferences. I know they're all moving to twenty games. And that's the whole thing about the NCAA selection is it's all about the the net ratings and everything now and opportunities to get wins in that quad one and quad two region. And the problem with Loyola is we don't have as many opportunities to play those games. Well, the power of five, six schools are going to 20 conference games, so they're having a ton of opportunities to get those quality wins. So I'm all about it. I want to do it, but I get it. Some of these schools don't because they got so many conference games already. Then they got the uh, Big Ten, Big East Challenge, uh, ACC, uh, Big 12 Challenge. So I, I get it, but I'm in. I think it'd be awesome for the city. Um, I think it would be. Uh, I think it'd be a lot of interest, and I'm seeing all these programs doing well and, and doing you know a lot of lot of positivity going. And I just think it'd be great. I, I just look at it like I mean Northwestern this year they they play Radford, they play a lot of schools that are if if you if you end up losing the game and and I know Chris is, is hopefully not going to be having that situation in the future, but if you lose the game, it's going to hurt you. If you lose to Loyola, it's not going to hurt you any more than if you lost to Radford, right? Am I missing something? Well, no. I mean, I, that, that's my argument to a lot of people is like, you know, we can be, you know, our net rating, you know, gosh, it, was, it ended up being like in the top ten the final four year. And like uh, last year it was it was in the one and two area. I think we're in the one and two area right now. So the, you, you want quad one and two wins. Um, I get it. I, I, you know, people, they, they feel like they got 20 conference games. They got two conference challenges because uh, you were allowed to play 27 games and uh, in a tournament. And then they're playing in an MTV exempt tournament, uh, an MTE uh, tournament. So I get, I, I, I'm just telling you what I get all the time of feedback uh, from, from power schools all over the country, not just our state, all over the country. Right. Um, that's the, the argument I'm getting. Um, but, the, but I'm arguing back, you know, just, you know, you know that, and if you if we beat you, because that's what happened. Like my our final four year, we went to Florida and we got bought, and uh, you know, meaning they paid us money, but we didn't get a return, and we won, so we got paid and not a return home game. That was a huge so win. So now people are now people are starting to not do it. We got a Power Five school to play us on a neutral court this year in Phoenix. And Vanderbilt, and we won. So it's I get it. It's hard. I mean, we've won. I think it's I, I think we're like six and three, or there's some crazy stat against SEC teams recently. And um, I just it's just hard for us to get. And I'm not trying to put, cry wolf, 
I'm just trying to say, Carmen, I'm in. Let's get it going. And and for the record, I mean, I I, don't, I haven't talked to Chris about this. Maybe, maybe he's in as well. But we, I'll work on the logistics. I'll get it done. Porter, we got about a minute here. I want you to talk about your book, All In, Driven by Passion, Energy, and Purpose. Uh, you can get it in a hardcover. It's, it's coming out February 16th. What, what are they going to find? Well, it was it was a project that I was approached with, and I, I was I'm so glad I did it. I was a little anxious to put myself out there, but it's about my journey, uh, starting from high school to college, and as a player, and then student athlete, and then getting into coaching, and my pitfalls, how I've bounced back through some failures, and bounced back where my faith, my you know energy, things and values. I think it's really good for you know high school student athletes, college student athletes, young coaches, and um, I've had some business people already read it and like it, but it's it was a I was, it was a fun project just about my journey. It's a short, quick read, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about it and how it, how it turned out. It's all about riding that roller coaster, right? Uh, I never thought a million years. My English teacher right now is probably just shaking her head going, Porter wrote a book. But uh, I, I, it, was, uh, it was a fun project, and I'm glad I did it. Well, congrats. I'm looking forward to checking it out. It says, from one of the most inspiring and driven D1 basketball coaches today, Porter offers a practical and motivating guide to help a character transform failure into success, find purpose, and live an authentic life through energy and positivity. I think that's going to resonate with a whole bunch of people. Hey, good luck tomorrow, Porter. We'll be we'll be watching. Uh, go get Van- Valparaiso at home. Three o'clock tip. You said it's sold out, but I'm sure you can find a ticket down the street. Get creative. Get on in there. See the Ramblers take on Valpo tomorrow. Hey, thanks, guys, for having me. Take care. Thanks, Coach. Our pleasure. Porter Moser. Quick timeout. News in two minutes. 720 WGN. It is the final hour of Sports Central. Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell, 907. Hope you're having a great Saturday. KP, the highlight of your Saturday was... Of course, doing the show with you, Carm. What part? Let's 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 boil it down. I really much enjoyed when you went into your conversation with Martha, Martha Stewart from the Super Bowl, and she critiqued your uh, sheet etiquette. Meaning, how often does at the Carm like to change the sheets? She did not give the appropriate answer that she was hoping for. She was saying five days, which seems like excessive in my opinion. I'm like a two week type guy. You're like more of a week-long guy. So that wasn't good enough for Martha Stewart. And for the record, we did have a sheet change in the Carmen household recently. And also for the record, I want to be closer with Martha. I want to get to know her. She's tight with Snoop Dogg nowadays. Wow. They're doing a thing. But I don't know if that's in the cards for me. Uh, all right. Do you change the sheets or does your wife change the sheets? <laughs> Probably her. <laughs> I, I'm not going to give myself that credit. Once in a blue moon. I, do, I think I do a nice job... Folding laundry, KP. Putting the laundry in. Oh, that's the worst part. So I get in there. And when you fold for a woman, that's that's a full-time commitment right there. Get in there. Got to be crisp. You know, you got to do it right. Edges right. That, that's when you know that you're a, a man that's deeply in love if you actually take on the female laundry. That's that's my assessment. But all right, let me let me play. Let me let me play one one little snippet to get away from that conversation from the old Super Bowl as we're making our way around. Have you ever heard of Gardner Minshew, KP? The shoe man. Sixth round draft pick. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Literally anybody could have had him. The Bears had a fourth round pick that they used on Riley Ridley. Uh, the Bears had a backup quarterback in Chase Daniel who uh, is probably not going to be here this year. 
And during the year, Matt Nagy, head coach of your Chicago Bears, when Minshew was on his way to throwing 21 touchdown passes, only six interceptions, stepping in for the injured Nick Foles in, in Jacksonville, people asked him about him. He said, yeah, we knew about Gardner. So I figured I'd ask Gardner, did you ever think that you would be a Chicago Bear, perhaps? So there's this team where, you know, we're based in Chicago, and I've rooted for the Bears my whole life. Did they ever talk to you at any point, scout you nothing? Yeah, so that was um, at the combine. I had two formal interviews. One was the Jaguars, and one was the Bears. The Bears um, interviewed you. They did. Uh, I loved it, you know, meeting with uh, Nagy and all those guys. Like, they were they were awesome. We got to talk some really good ball. Um, you know, for a while, I thought, like, that, that was going to be a you know real possibility. Um, but you know what? I ended up right, right where I'm supposed to be. So. That's painful that they sat with you and didn't pick you. My Without, heart broke. I mean, I'm just. So, you did you think you were actually going to go to Chicago? I mean, I thought that was like kind of one of the. I probably had about five teams. I thought you know it was a decent chance. So well, breaking some news there, Carm. So I, I did not expect him to say that, right? Yeah. And he says it, and I, you could hear the pause. They're like, I just, I, it was like my heart just broke. Like I'm like, because he's, I know that he's not Joe Montana or Tom Brady or whatever. But he's very entertaining, KP. Very entertaining. He's nicknamed the Mustache or Jockstrap King. He's he's he wears tight jean shorts and he's traveling around in he's an, got an RV. He's traveling the country I in mean, the off season. He he would I mean, he'd be like Jim McMahon light, or he'd be like yeah. a combination of McMahon and Cuddy. He and he's and he's. See, I expected you to say him to say no, because we had heard that the Bears never even talked with. Watson or Mahomes, right? They, they no, they talked to they one, talked one of them. They did. They talked to Watson. They didn't talk to Mahomes. So, like, if you because if you, uh, I don't even know we're going down the Mitch hole again. But I, I don't even want to go down the Mitch. I hole. know, but I'm just saying, like, forget terms, the Mitch. Okay, but no, I, let just, me just, just build the quarterback I know, no, room. I don't know. If you look at projections, right? Okay, and a lot of people had Mitch at the top. Blah 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 blah. But if you're the talent evaluator, if you're heading into a draft, and let's say. You pretty much know it's a lock that Mitch, Mahomes, and Watson are all going to get drafted in the first round. Let's just say those are the only three that just about everybody was anticipating. I think they were the only three. Right, and you have the number three pick. You talked to all three of them. You talked to all three of them. Of course. Multiple times. Of course. You call their mother. Of course. You call their father. <laughs> you get a private investigator to do all the research you possibly can do right. on the individual. Right. You right. talk to all three. <laughs> exactly. Over and over and over again, you follow them around. You learn. You talk to their old teachers and their old coaches. You 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 find out their hobbies. What's their favorite dish of food they like to eat? You don't look in the mirror and think to yourself that I have found the right guy and I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I don't need to talk to the guy who threw for seven hundred and ninety thousand yards in one single game. You just don't do that. But they did. How are you not sitting down with all three of those guys? It's and. Yeah, that, I wasn't having that conversation. Yeah, you, I know. You, you brought I brought the, it up. But, so, but, but the thing is, like, I think it's almost more painful with Gardner. Like, hold on a second. You sat with Gardner Minshew. Matt Nagy said in the middle of the year that you liked him. You know that your quarterback room is Mitchell Trubisky and Chase Daniel. This guy's yeah, but, slip, hold on a second. This guy's slipping into the sixth round. Why not take a flyer on him? See, this one doesn't sting nearly as much one because i don't think he's going to be as good as watson or mahomes but he's probably better than mitch yeah probably sure but the the difference where yes that's it's it stinks it's not good but the difference for me like i don't have the sort of outrage i have with mahomes and watson because the difference here was the bears own the bears were going all in with that first pick they knew they were going to take a quarterback 
when you trade up for two, you got free pickings on everybody. Now, in sixth round, things get a little different. Maybe there's another guy you like a little bit more on your board. Maybe they, you wait they, for him. Maybe they, you drafted, for him. they drafted a cornerback in the sixth round like after Minshew was drafted, technically, but they, I'm sure they could have moved up in the sixth round to get Minshew and given him a sixth round down. Uh, listen. At least I have my D.C. defenders. The, Strong start to the XFL season. Defenders coming away with the, the victory. One and all, we're on our way to a championship. That, 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 that I'm was, a lifelong D.C. defenders fan, as you well know. That was The, the XFL had a great day today. But I, just, I, I met a lot of cool people at the Super Bowl. MC Hammer was sweet. Martha Stewart was great. But Gardner Minshew came rolling in at 8.30 in the morning. He's having his coffee. He's going around to different tables. He sits down. He, 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 do you know the story? Uh, there's a reporter in Jacksonville, KP. You probably don't know this one. This is pretty funny. He He's old school reporter. Like, I don't know. Brad Biggs, whoever you want to throw in there, but older than Brad. He's covered the team forever. So first press conference with Gardner. They weren't expecting Gardner to be anything, right? Sixth round pick. Nick Foles is the starter. Nick Foles gets hurt. But Gardner's starting to make a moves. So he's, hey, uh, uh, Grammar, can I ask you about this? Gets his name wrong. Next time. Gets his name wrong again. So he starts calling this reporter whose name was, I think, Larry. He starts, well, Barry, every time the guy would ask him a question for the rest of the year, he would address him with a different name. Well, well, Tito. Well, Sammy. I mean, he told me, like... Did the we, reporter catch on? Oh, yeah, and it became this huge thing. And, like, if you... He he became this this reporter became famous because Gardner was calling him by a different name every time because the the reporter got his name wrong once not twice I said I'm like what'd you do with this guy Barry over there he's like hey man you get it wrong once okay but twice now 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 we're now we're gonna have to have a little, <laughs> now now we're gonna he called him like Grammy and, and something else could couldn't figure out Gardner which is a, which is a, you know not not a name that you see every day but we we see we could have. That could have that could have been us, man. Adam Hogue could have gotten the name wrong. Next thing you know, him and Hogue are in a whole thing. Outside of Trubisky, um, yes. Where what do you think the Bears go for in the offseason Oof. first? Oof. What area? What department? Oh, outside of the quarterback? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think we we hit it with Des Clark earlier on the show. It's got to be the tight end and offensive line and the O line for sure. A, the offensive line sure. was awful this year, for, and I think Mitch's bad play overshadowed. Some of the poor play by the offensive line, which really didn't generate much on the ground game. It was a it was a a, um, a disastrous blend of things between Mitch, between the line, between the running game. Yes, they're they're going to have to address the offensive line. That's one thousand percent going to be in there. Maybe, have, look, have you they, ever they, experienced a more deflating Bears season than this one? Not because not like the way it ended with the with the with the, the double doing, but like. As far as pure expectation yeah. into what it turned into, because yeah. how old are you? Forty one. I'm uh, no, no, no. You got to add five on that, brother. Forty six. Um, I mean, like fifty's right there. I'm staring right at. It. Can you believe that? Look, the KP's giving me a look right now that I'm ninety seven. That's okay. No, I'm thinking you're thirty five. Oh, thank you, baby. But I'm not. This gray hair is 45? going on. Forty five. Forty six. Wow. August will be forty seven. I mean, but hey, listen, I did the yoga this week. I had a great tennis match. I feel good. I feel I feel nice. <laughs> I'm turning it around. But yeah, so look, I would have to go back as far as disappointing bear seasons. I'd I'd go back to after they won the Super Bowl. In those years, they'd go fourteen and two, had no offense. McMahon got hurt, you're rolling out Doug Flutie, you're rolling out Mike Tomzak, never never won it again. 
Though I, I that's where I would go. It, it was just incredibly disappointing that they could. Because I was looking like what three, four championships. They, they were the greatest team of all time. They killed everyone. They went fifteen and one. The only game they lost was to the Dolphins when they went down to Miami and got drunk the night before. That that team was so utterly ridiculous, and and. I mean, we went in the playoffs. It was like there's no way that anybody can beat them. They shut out the Giants, shut out the Rams, should have shut out the Patriots. Peyton fumbled. You you thought they were going to win? You thought they were going to win five in a row, two in a row for sure. And It'd be it, like it, it just Jordan never, led Bulls winning one. But that was the th- right. But that was the thing with with a little different. That right? was that was the thing with Mike. Like once they won, like no one's beating that team. The only thing that, if 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 he. If he hadn't had the, I don't want to go down to the James Jordan thing, if, if his dad hadn't gotten killed, they probably would have won. I think they might have won eight in a row. But, you know, six out of eight's not bad. Quick timeout, 720 WGN. When it comes to weather, we all want to know what did Skilling say. Watch for updated forecasts from well, Chicago's most trusted meteorologist, Tom Skilling. Weeknights, WGN TV. Does it say news at nine? Did it completely ruin it? No, I read those in the afternoon you, with Rome. You, you got it 1,000%. That's our guy, Tom Skilling. That's Kevin Powell. My name's Mark Harmon. It's 920, Saturday night. KP, do you know who Shannon Sharp is? Huge Shannon Sharp fan. Well, when he played, I don't know necessarily now as a broadcast personnel. He's on a show where it's two talking heads screaming at each other. And I'm not big on those types of shows. Right, him and Skip Bayless on the on the uh, Fox Sports One. But he was this is multi Super Bowl champion with the Dem- loved him as a player. Great, great tight end. Guy was a monster. Incredibly physical, great hands, and now building the media career. Now Shannon was down to the Super Bowl, and he's promoting. He's promoting something that he takes that makes him his body feel feel tremendous. C- CBD was a huge thing down there, by the way. Oh, I bet. Everyone is on the uh, CBD train, but uh, and God bless. But so, Shannon and I got into a conversation about Michael and LeBron. And it started out, and I want you to grade this, by the way, on, on a 1 to 10 scale, how bad did Carm lose? Because I, I, I definitely didn't win. Maybe I pushed. I don't know. I want your opinion on this. But Shannon is a LeBron guy. But we started out, the conversation was around... Why do we crown guys so early? Because you know people were talking about Patrick Mahomes being the greatest quarterback of all time, right? right? So and I'm people like, think he won five, six, seven Super Bowls. You never know. He might, that might be the only Super Bowl he wins, right? So I'm like, why do we got to crown him right now? Why do we got to put that on? Aaron Rodgers has one Super Bowl victory, right? And there was a time when we thought he was by far the best quarterback in the NFL and one of the best ever. Over under on Mahomes Super Bowls. If I if I put the number at two and a half, you taking the over or the under? I'd probably still take the over. I'd go over too, but, but who knows? That might be his only one. Right. It's like a next to impossible to win a Super Bowl in the NFL unless you're the Patriots. So I asked him, like, why do we got to crown guys? And he's like, well, that's what we do. We make predictions. We, we do because people want to argue about it on TV, particularly types of shows like his. Well, and, and like, okay, so once Tom Brady won seven, like, that. oh, Tom Brady was really great. I mean, it's not a very exciting conversation. Like, yes, we all know. So to be out in front of it is cool, uh, giving the media the, the benefit of the doubt here. So. But then he's like, well, that's why we do that. I'm like, well, you know, one thing I really enjoyed about Bobby Knight was that, who we talked about earlier today, that he said that Jordan was the greatest basketball player he's ever seen before he played one game in the NBA. Why is it that, well, if LeBron wins one more title, then we'll have this guy, then, then we'll be able to say, you know, he's better than Michael. And that's, and that's where he kind of got aggressive with me. So this was the conversation with, with Shannon Sharp, Jordan versus LeBron with a very passionate LeBron fan. And rewinding all the way back to where you started, yeah. you know, I was watching a video the other day and and Bobby Knight 
was talking about before MJ played game one in the league. Yeah. That Olympic team was beating NBA guys Bird Magic. And yeah. Like, this dude's going to go down as the greatest player of all time. So right. he, was, he was an early buyer of Google. Right. And, and he was right. And then I get to the LeBron conversation. Well, if he can just do it with the Lakers, then he'll be considered the greatest. Dude, we've seen his career. We've seen Michael. I don't care how many more titles he wins. We know MJ. If do you, we? We do. I do. Okay. You don't feel no. that way? No, tell me why. No. Mm-mm. Well, talk to me. Because, I mean, see, he's like, well, he's six for six. Okay, did he not play finals in the 80s? Well, so, right, okay, but I, I'm, I see, okay, when he had, when hold on, when he had the team Uh-oh. to get there, they won, Okay, right? Yeah. And when they didn't. So was Dennis Rodman any good? Dennis Rodman was a great player, but, okay, but. but he, led, he led the league, he led, he led, every year that he's with the Bulls, he led the league in rebounding. You do realize no, I, don't, that I, don't, I don't think that's true. I, 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 I'm 1,000% certain okay. that's true. Somebody check the stats on that. Do you know Scottie you know Pippen was the uh, All-Star Game MVP the year that Michael left? And he was a Hugh Hollins blown call away from getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I, I also know that they lost in the second round now, right? Mm-hmm. They, yeah. I mean, they, they didn't. I don't think they would have beaten Nakeem. Now, but that season, they, they I just want to know, okay. Scottie did Mike play for the Wizards? So how far did they get with the Wizards? He was 40. Oh, but you're the goat. Yeah, but the goat. So go eat. <laughs> I, I, just, I just need you to get to that. I just need you to play. Hold on, hold on a second. Would you agree that the Detroit Pistons are one of the all-time great teams? Whoa, 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 whoa! But you don't say that about. So hold on, the Detroit Pistons all-time great, but LeBron losing to KD and the Steph Curry and Klay Thompson led Warriors. What? Well, hold on a second here now. Who's better? Who's better? What? Who's who had the better team? Who do you think will chronically be better, the bad boy but, Pistons or the six seventeen look, not, or the seventeen I'm, or the sixteen seven or seventeen sixteen seventeen award? All right, let, let, let's rewind back. You put Michael on the team that LeBron was on when they played when he was guarded by who was the little guy? JJ Barrett. JJ Barrett. You put Michael on that team. Who wins? They lost. You can't. You there's no refuting that. There's no getting around that. But we do realize that he lost. He lost to the bad boy Pistons. That was a hell of a team. Did, did he ever beat the big three Celtics? No, but they weren't. So ready to now do it. you want LeBron to beat hell of a team, KD, Steph, and Clay by himself, no, right? No, no, the, the KD, Steph, and Clay team. No, but the year that they, so which team? So the, which team did Michael the, beat? I just want to know. Just tell me this: which team did Michael beat he, that was better than the than, that was better than the Warriors with KD? Well, hold on. The, the team that he beat with I don't know. No, but he, no, he, he did not beat a team. What? Better than that. But he but the, but the team but neither did LeBron. LeBron beat the Warriors without KD and, and unanimous you had, MVP. You, Steph, unanimous. Steph, and it was seventy three and nine. Steph 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 Curry was hurt. When did when did LeBron? You know LeBron has never been only been favored of the finals he's gone to. He's only been favored twice. When okay. was Michael? When was Michael not favored? Let, let, let me ask you this: the year the year that they beat the Spurs, who had the biggest shot? Was that not Ray Allen in the corner bailing him out? Didn't he miss a wide-open three? Didn't he miss a bunch of them? So, so we're not going to talk about being down by 10, scoring 16 of the 22 that they oh, took. This is good. Huh? Are we going to do that? We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about the goal. What, what the, when, when LeBron took the Cavs to the pinnacle and they won it and, and ended the drought, greatest accomplishment of his career. When LeBron left the Heat, what happened? Well, when when Ma- Michael left the Bulls, what did Scotty what, do? What happened when Michael left in '98? It's been how many years the team, has it been? The team broke up. Scotty was gone. DJ, I'm talking about when Scotty left the first, when Michael left the first time. Right. Well, the team, the, the team made it to the second round of the playoffs. What? 
So how far did it, how far did he get? So hold okay, on. Okay, when LeBron left the Cavaliers, what did they do? Let me, Tell me when LeBron left the Cavaliers. Okay, I'm yep. waiting. It was, it was you, 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 it's a valid point. I, I like this conversation. Shannon, let me ask you this. Uh, you, yeah. you, it, it's, uh, you're down 10 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. All right, you, you need buckets. Yeah. Who are you giving the ball to, Mike? No, 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 no. Yes, if yes, I'm yes. Down, if I'm down 10, I'm going to get the guy that's going make to the, make the right play. A guy that can get me buckets. MJ's not going to make the right play? No, I just want to know one thing. Yeah. LeBron, not a score. How he got all these points? How he got more points I didn't than say Mike? he's not a score, but he doesn't score like Mike. Could Mike assist like he could? Could he when rebound they, like him? How many, how many triple doubles in a row did he get when they put him at point guard when they asked him to do it? That's and, not his role. He got 13 in a row. Yeah, he got th- 13 he, in a row, no big deal. And he still only got 23. So what happened but, the other but year? But that's not his role. So, so what's LeBron's role? Is LeBron's role just Le- to Le- score? That's that's more that's the that, that's uh, the way he plays. This is uh, you're 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 the man. This is the, <laughs> look. Can we do this again? I love it. <laughs> that was awesome. I don't think you got owned. I thought you held your own. Did you think I actually hold? Really? Yeah. I need grades. I I feel like I give it. I give it a good B. Okay, I feel like I got absolutely worked. See, in. maybe it's, it's, it's different because it, you were sitting in front of a man who's like six four, jacked two fifty probably. Nah, I. You got to be ready in life. I will say this about the Jordan uh, LeBron thing, which it really exhausts me, and I don't really even I, care. I, I know but, you're exhausted, but I, I do want to say it just does feel the difference is like LeBron has had tears throughout his career. He had the early Cleveland ones, then he had the Miami run, which nobody liked him because he left and joined forces with with uh, Wade and Bosh. Yep. Then he goes back to Cleveland, gets one more. And now it's like the final phase of his career, which is in L.A. So it just when you everything was so different, like where Jordan for six years, yeah, he had two. He always had Pippen though, but he had two, the two three peats like, like completely different rosters, and it was basically a six year stretch there where LeBron's legacy. I feel like, I don't know, maybe because he was so hyped, and maybe because I was alive to see all of it. Like I feel like I evaluate him a little bit differently because I knew the hype that he... I remember being in high school and people like, this guy LeBron James, He's they say he's supposed to be the next Jordan. And that was back when he was 19. That was all the way back in 2003 and 2004. So, like, I I, he's in I his, almost never think about the, the years before the Jordan 90s era. You know what I mean? Where a lot of people did see him in the, the mid-80s to late 80s. I didn't experience that. So, for me, like, when I think of Jordan's career, I think of the six championships. Just straight winning. Yeah. So that right. So, but I'm not even saying that does cha- factor into my opinion one way or another. Where LeBron, where it's been like these waves, where he's had this lengthy career, and sometimes he was the villain, sometimes he was the hero, bringing Cleveland their first championship. Now he's going to Showtime LA, and then next thing you know, he's giving this heartfelt speech about Kobe, and I'm pulling for him now to win the championship because I want to see him win the title for Kobe. Breaking news, Carm. I don't think the Bulls are going to contend for a title this year. Probably not. So it's like this. I don't know. I've I've experienced the full body of work from LeBron. This is not me saying I think he's better or Jordan's better or any of those sorts of things. I just view them so differently because of that. I think I've, I've experienced it all with LeBron, and I think LeBron has worn so many different hats where he's been the guy that can score. He's been the guy that can play shutdown defense. He was the villain in Miami. He was the, the hero who brought Cleveland a championship, and now it's him embedding himself into the celebrity culture in Hollywood. I, I give him a ton of credit. 17 years in the league, never been in a scandal, didn't go to college, right out of high school. Has conducted himself. Seems to be a really good dude. Has, has, has conducted himself as well as he possibly can. Nothing off the court, ever. The only time I didn't like him was when I was like, you know, rooting for the Bulls all the years. They could not get past LeBron James. Right. I'm like, I can't wait for this guy to retire. And that was 10 years ago. Killed him. 
However, but no, I mean, come on. You got to fully respect everything about LeBron. Uh, but I just did not do a very good job in defending Mike's name there. I'd like to apologize to the Jordan Come fans. on, Carm. That was terrifying. That was terrifying. That was Shannon Sharp. He gave me the come on, Carm. That's my guy. I look forward to hope. Hopefully, we'll get to go to the Super Bowl next year, relive that conversation, and I'll feel like I actually wanted to Maybe you can guest host on the show. Yeah, that, right, right. I'm sure Skip will take a day off. I, yeah, I, I, Skip. I, I think I'm my number. Skip, take a Got day Mark off. Got Mark Chicago. Right, come on. I'd love to do a little, uh, what do they call that show? I don't know. First take, hot take, this take, who knows. Some it's, two it's, guys yelling at each other. Undisputed. That's, that's there the show. Go. There we go. 720 WGN. 720 WGN, 934. Kevin Powell, you tell me that the Oscars are tomorrow. Is yes, that, I can't believe you didn't know that. I'm so excited for the Oscars. I yeah, can't, I can tell you. I can feel your enthusiasm. Huge. Where's Dean Richards when you need him? Let's get Richard Roper on the line. I've seen one movie all year. Okay, what movie? Richard Jewell. I really want to see that. It was Were you a fan? It was phenomenal. The latest from Clint. I, 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 I really, really enjoyed it and recommend it, and I know it didn't get a lot of love. But I, you're here now to at, at 9.34 to tell me all about the movie. We call this segment, we've done this uh, once before when Kevin and I have hosted, it's called Carm Not at the movies correct because know, last time we did this it was right around oscar season and now it's like you know you talk about a great movie you want to talk about it with people right you want to blab about it and like the whole show i'm asking you like i haven't seen it haven't seen it haven't seen it Car- Car- Carm not at the movies yes Carm not at the movies so what we did last time was i asked you i gave you a movie title and you tried to give me your guess on what unfolds oh. in that movie okay go ahead what do you got? i haven't seen all of them but i've seen five of the nine i failed at attempting I almost paid $20 for Ford versus Ferrari. Thank you for the background music. Carm not at the movies. Carm not at the movies. Marriage Story, starring Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver. Marriage Story with Scarlett and Adam. Scarlett was in love with Adam. And then she realized that she was also in love with Bill. Adam decided that this is 2020, and we can all be in love together. Scarlett, Adam, and Bill Live form a bond that works out for a long time until a twist when Bill kills Adam. Carmen, not at the movies. Is that what happened? <laughs> that, That's not what happened, That's Carmen. not what happened? What it's happened? A, it's a really, really good movie. Is it? This is my professional, my professional critique. Starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. It's a Netflix. It's on Netflix. You watch it tonight, Carmen. You're recently married. I you love Netflix. Watch this. I just watched The Voyeur. It's a hell of a... Oh, my God. You know The Voyeur? You watch that? You mentioned... You asked me the start of the show. I said, uh, no, I don't know what that is. I, I, yeah, I did ask you that. The dude bought a motel. I don't mean to get in the middle of your That's critique okay. here. The dude bought a motel, and he built a platform across the, like the top of the motel so he would get on his ladder and he would go up there and he would peer down at his motel guests and watch them do all the things that you do in a motel and he never got caught until he but he he wanted attention so he hired a writer in New York very well respected writer to write a book about him that he lived this voyeur life that he wanted everyone to know about and then once it actually got out there, he realized he didn't want everybody to know about it because people were like, I'm watching you now, buddy. Wow. The voyeur. I'm <laughs> telling you. Why? It's it's wait, so did he put hot. windows in every motel room? No, he had he built up this fake plat this platform and he would look down through the vents. 
Oh my god. So he's he's I mean he's hanging out watching and he, and like but like some of the things he said were true and some wasn't. It was a hell of an experience on Netflix. But back to you and what's the name of the movie? Uh Marriage Story. Adam uh, Marriage Story. Johansson. Very well done. Very well it's done. It's about a couple and then the life through a divorce. Three star movie? Three uh, and a half? I'd give it three. Solid three. Solid three. Yeah. Okay. What's next? How about Parasite? Parasite. Okay, Parasite. Parasite. Parasite is about a man who was in love with his female cousin. And he just hung around the family and hung around the family and did as much as he could just to, to be there for them in their time of need. But then he realized that he had to go out and get his own life, and he went to the woods, and he climbed a mountain, and he lived happily ever after. Parasite. Carmen at the movies. Not even close. Film synopsis. Greed, class discrimination, and a mysterious interloper threaten the newly interloper. formed... That was close. ...symbiotic relationship... I definitely said interloper. ...between the wealthy Park family and the this, the uh, Kim clan. The Kim clan? See, that was that's the cousin that I just said. The interloper and the Kim clan. I think I was close. Anybody? Who's on Carm's side? Uh, it's an international film. You've got to do the subtitles, which is fine. Right. I, 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 didn't I say it was overseas? I would watch it tonight, Carm. Really? Parasite? It's so, so good. It's so, so good? Yes. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. With a twist ending. Who doesn't love a twist ending? I love a twist ending. Okay. You ever seen Jagged Edge? It's no. when I used to go to the movies back in the 80s. With Papa Fred. First movie that you ever went to. You know what? Um, I remember going to see one of the Mighty Ducks... <laughs> And I remember our parents took us to the drive-through. Yeah, we had the old station wagon. This is one of the last. Uh, yeah, we had a we were a station wagon family, straight out of a vacation. That's Chevy so- Chase rocking the, the the, and the back seat was facing back. You had the way back with the fi- facing the other yeah, way. That's yeah. a, such an awesome look. I always sat back there because I felt like I was so far from the family. I had like my own little, but it was a Powell family, four crazy kids, two parents, sometimes a dog. In, we called it Woody for obvious reasons. Right, right. For me, it was... Um, so, but I yeah. didn't even get to the point. We would pull the, the station wagon into a, a drive-in theater, and I remember it was the most random, like... What a nice family. Yeah, it was, it's a great, it was a great child. I have no complaints. Um, the first one was Clueless. So we watched Clueless, and then in a complete opposite, it was Braveheart after, or something like that. But wow, I, a double feature with It was the a double feature. I'm pretty sure I... Because I was like, I don't know, six, seven years old. I think I slept all the way through Braveheart. It's a nice start to the life right there in the movie life. For me, it was Flashdance, but for the record. Uh, well, at least that was the first R-rated movie. I probably saw something nice before that, but... Uh, I think my first R-rated was my older brother and his friends watching a movie in the basement that featured some... Um, Porkies? Nudity. No. So they're like, kept, no. It was like The Bodyguard or something. The Bodyguard. Yeah. And they're like, Kevin, come down here. I'm like, oh my God, my older brother's friends are telling me to go to the basement. Because <laughs> they're like in the middle of summer, and if you're like real hot, it was the, you know, the basement was dark, it was cool, you blocked the windows, pitch black in the basement. They're watching an R rated movie. It's watching an R rated movie. This, this is, is super cool. This yeah. is very awesome. They're like, go put your hand on the TV right there. <laughs> you know, shenanigans that, of brothers' experience. That, that, that's a good job. I, yeah. I, I think I was 10, and my dad and uh, took and my mother took me to the Highland Park movie theater. What's in Flashdance that a 10-year-old should not see? Well, sir, there is profanity, nudity, and uh, a couple of other things. Great. We'll have three tickets. And that's... <laughs> 
<laughs> Thank you, Dad. I've never seen Flashdance. Great movie. Love Flashdance. Okay. Good story. All right. Mark Carmen not at the movies. He hasn't seen a single Oscar-nominated flick this year, or back last year. The Irishman. Oh, The Irishman. So this one's almost too easy. you got to have a... I, I know about The Irishman. Okay, let's skip The Irishman. The gist. You get the gist of... I haven't seen The Irishman, but I know about The Irishman. How about Jojo Rabbit? Jojo Rabbit. Is that like the sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, but no, this is a not... wild concept for a film. Okay. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll give you the film synopsis. Jojo Rabbit. Jojo uh, Rabbit. A, a, a track, a guy who ran track and, and had a spring to a step. Well, he Jojo Rabbit played at the, uh, he was at a local high school, and he could, he was outstanding on the 4x100 relay team. He, he would run third because he didn't want to take the spotlight of the fourth guy. So he would always he would always create a huge lead so you would end up winning the relay race. And then one day Jojo Rabbit unfortunately felt a pain in the right side of his leg and he had to lose that leg and therefore his track career was no longer viable. But he was able to go on and contribute to in many other ways and he still had the name Jojo Rabbit. Is, it, uh, is that it? Not even close. Here's your film synopsis. Jojo Ready? Rabbit. Dur- <laughs> it's so opposite. <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Okay. Film- the official film synopsis provided by the Academy. During World War II. <laughs> I love Jojo Rabbit. That's a great film that I just came up with right there. Yeah, I'd watch that. But this is the real Jojo Rabbit film synopsis. <laughs> During World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Jojo During World War II He worked as a, a veterinarian A lonely German's boy <laughs> not, I'm not laughing at this Don't take it the wrong way I think my Jojo Rabbit is definitely better <laughs> This is so opposite <laughs> Who, Who's seen Jojo Rabbit Tell me, Carmen. Wait till you hear this okay, description. Okay, okay, okay. During World War II, a lonely German boy. Is <laughs> That's definitely not what I was talking about. So, a lonely German boy in World War II. I see. I had it as a young guy in high school, so that's close. I think. Oh. All right. <laughs> During World War II, a lonely German boy's world is turned upside down when he discovers his single mother's hiding a young Jewish girl in their attic. Oh, my God. Aided only by his idiotic imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, JoJo must confront his blind nationalism. Oh, okay. I did see the preview for JoJo Rabbit. I forgot that was the name. Uh, That's not what I was talking about. I think, you know... But there was a youth connection there. So there was was that. Yeah. Carm at the movies. Yeah. Do we do? Is there one more, or are we done? So, have you seen? You haven't seen any of them. Okay. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood, which is my favorite movie of the year. Once upon a time in Hollywood, I hear is amazing. I've watched it maybe five, six times. Once upon a time in Hollywood, not at the movies. Did Dean Richards like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I don't know what Dean did, but I know I, Richard Roper loved it. Roper loved it. Yes. Interesting. Once upon a time in Hollywood is about. Uh, is is it sort of like Pretty Woman too? Going out to Hollywood on a dream, that type of deal. Carm not, Carm not at the movies. No, not at the movies. Not at, not no. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Hmm. Sports angle on it. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, nah, no, no sports no, angle. Alcohol. 
Oh, lots of it. Lots of booze? Lots of booze, lots okay. of drugs. Booze and drugs, okay. Prostitution? We going there, too? Uh, it's uh, no real prostitution. Well, no. sort of, kind of, not really. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to go see it, KP, but I, I, that's my, I, I don't have a great one. I don't have a great feel for one. Okay, this is Quentin Tarantino's film. Right. Basically, the way he describes it is his love letter to Hollywood that he grew up. Uh-huh. He grew up in Hollywood. So it's a lot of... I mean, some of this stuff probably goes over my head, but it's also involving... It's not necessarily about Charlie Manson and, and all of that that went down, but it's Quentin Tarantino's version. He puts a spin on it. So what's the number one movie I should go home and watch tonight? I would watch this. You watch once I would watch this or Parasite immediately. Okay. All right. Um, film synopsis. In Los Angeles in 1969, aging TV star Rick Dalton and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth struggle to make their way around an industry in a city they hardly recognize anymore. So basically, it's about Leonardo DiCaprio's character, who is a, a TV star, successful Hollywood star, and Brad Pitt plays his stunt double. And they're just kind of navigating through their own personal careers and I like ups Brad Pitt. And da- Brad Pitt's badass in this movie. Yeah. He's probably going to win Best Supporting Actor. Favorite Brad Pitt movie. Can I throw oh, can man. I throw Babel out of there out of nowhere? I thought he was phenomenal in Babel. Did you ever see Babel? Babel? Babel was fantastic. I think this is my fa- this is my favorite. Really? Movie, but yeah, that's a big. And I thing. love Brad Pitt. Okay, Leo's great in it too. I love Leo, but it's you know like that late sixties LA, a lot of hippies. Matt Damon in there too. has gone. No Matt Damon situation. No, uh, who's the other guy that always Matthew in McConaughey? The- no, no, not McConaughey. Love McConaughey. I was actually watching We Are Marshall the other day, which is tearjerker. A- phenomenal film but no i'm talking about uh he was in the town he's in a million uh, the, the, the taller you ben know affleck yes ben affleck thank you no he's nice. not in it no no ben affleck okay no. all right once upon a time in hollywood all right final time i'll come back here get you we're gonna get you ready for a phenomenal we have two more breaks okay fine not the final time i'll thank you curtis we're gonna get you ready for what's gonna be a great week in chicago sports it's, we're gonna dial it in next 720 wgn 720 WGN, the NBA All-Star Game, is here this week. And that means, KP, that there's going to be a lot of Kobe Bryant moments, respect. I hope it's basically a night... Full a full night tribute to Kobe Bryant. Why not? It's the that's, timing. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, and I know they're wearing the numbers twenty four. Number two was Gianna's Kobe's daughter, which she wore in youth basketball. Kobe won twenty four. Wore twenty four, of course. I wonder if um, I haven't. You go ahead. Are we going to have Michael Jordan sighting at the United Center? I that's a great question. I, I haven't would, heard anything about that. I keep getting some information and emails, but I have not seen a Jordan confirm. I'm going to guess that Mike will be in attendance, but. I don't know. He doesn't show his face a whole lot nowadays. No. Uh, and coming back here is in Kobe's weekend. I don't know. But, I mean, the whole NBA world's going to be here. You're going to be walking down the street this week and, oh, there's Magic. And, oh, there's Bird. And, oh, there's LeBron. And there's Giannis. I mean, you're going to... Good be night out- to go out and see the town because chances are you'll see a celebrity sighting at the, one of our uh, steakhouses I mean, in, town, I mean, in Chicago. They're, they're, they're going to be hanging out. Um there's there's a piece coming out right now inside Kobe Bryant's final hours. He pulled his Range Rover into a familiar lot on the edge of Orange County's John Wayne Airport, the quiet side where small charter planes and private helicopters whisk people into the sky. Inside the air, waiting area, a couple of dozen passengers sat glumly. Some of their charter flights have been grounded. Uh, they're watching the, the CBS Sunday morning, but Bryant goes into the lounge. Goes in with a small group of people, and they go up in the S76B helicopter, um, and then they 
you get reports from the police, and then a confirmation confirmed Kobe. Uh, so Kobe Bryant was so polarizing for me, Kevin. Like he, because I was you know a huge Michael fan. We've talked about it a zillion times, and here's the guy that actually tried to take on being MJ. Mm-hmm. He walked like him. He talked like him. He played like him. He was as competitive as Michael. He was arguably smarter than Michael. And Michael's super smart. But Kobe's just a different cat. I mean, he grew up overseas. You're going to have a little bit different perspective on things. Right. Spoke Italian. Just, you know, a very... he won an Academy Award his you know, first couple of years out. That of, short, by the way, his animated short is... You'll get chills every time you watch it and maybe tear up every single time. It's about his love for basketball and starring as a kid, how he talked about rolling up his dad's socks and shooting them into the hamper or the garbage can in his bedroom growing up. And and then, it, I don't know. I watched it the day it happened. I was, I was I don't even know if I want to say I'm surprised. I don't mean it disrespectfully at all. I, I was beat up that day. You know, it was just, it just was so out it, of nowhere. And it felt like Kobe... I think you put this, you know, tweeted this out where it did feel like he was just on the, he started to kind of see his name pop up and he was around, he was on social media and he was doing interviews and he was, you could tell he was going to have this incredible post basketball life. Right. He, that, that, that's what I tweeted. I'm like, look, the guy was going to do more off the court than he did on it. And that's saying a ton for somebody who won five NBA championships and was one of the greatest players to ever play the game. His, his past is very, you know, as I reading up more and more about him, he, he got, he proposed to Vanessa. He was twenty two. She was eighteen. He was he was sending flowers to her at in, when she was in high school. And she didn't he didn't propose at that point, but they started dating when she was in high school. He's sending flowers to the high school, and people are like, "You're not getting flowers from Kobe Bryant." Well, actually, yes, I am. And they got married super young. His parents did not support it. Didn't come to the wedding. There's other stuff where his parents had asked him for money for a house, like a $450,000 house, and apparently he gave like two I'll help you here, but I'm not going to help you the whole way. So things were, you know, he just had, and then everything else that happened in Colorado, his wife doesn't divorce him. Seven years later, allegedly, he cheats again, and she does divorce him, but they end up not going through with it. They stay married. I mean, it was a super, super rocky road. And he was, you know, young and in the spotlight and straight out of high school. And I'm not making any apologies for anything he did. Uh, clearly, not a perfect person. But he's, you know, he finally he retires. He's he's had so much drive for hoops, and now he's got to recreate himself. And he's actually doing it. And the videos of him with uh, with Gianna playing hoop, and she's playing one on one with him, and he's she's kind of talking trash at him, and he's hitting jump shots, and they're sitting in the front row, and he just seemed like he was a really happy dude who. And had so much to offer, so that part of it just—I mean—it just sucks. And like it for like as a sports fan, it's like you know what? Just enjoy the great players out there, man. Yeah. Don't don't get in some weird rivalry. It's just stupid. Or make it personal, right? Like that's what, what I, I say now all the time. Just don't make it personal with these guys. I mean, there are certain things and stories and stuff we find out about people, but like. I hate LeBron. I hate Tom Brady. Because you beat my team. I hate Tom Brady because his team wins all the time. Just respect the greatness of it all. Yeah, and I and I get it. Your fan, you could be a fun fan, you know, fan rivalry. Maybe take some jabs, but some people take it way too seriously, right? And I I I blew half of his career being way too competitive with the guy, and just should have enjoyed him. I didn't I didn't appreciate him as much until the second half of his career, 
when I felt like it was ridiculous half of his career too. It was insane, and you know, like uh, well, he wasn't exactly the most like the he didn't have the most positive. I don't know, at least from what I can remember, like the early part of his career, I don't think he was. Lo- like loved by base or basketball fans, but in the second half, you're like this guy's, this guy is a competitor. You, see, that was the thing too. You were either on his team or not on his team. Kobe versus Shaq, you picked the side, right? That's Co- yeah. Kobe versus Michael, Kobe versus LeBron, yeah. And so he was just super polarizing. But then the second half, I just, I was like, this is awesome, right? Right. This is, you, you can't deny it. Yeah. All right. Quick timeout. Seven twenty WGN.